Blog Talk Radio. I don't believe you heard me. Let me just say that one more time. The Super Bowl is here. Are you amped? Are you excited? Are you pumped up for the game of the year? And, you know, as much as I'm disappointed that my Cowboys aren't in the Super Bowl, I have to admit this is looking like probably the best matchup we could have had in the NFL. I have to admit, you know, to have Tom Brady and, and, and all of that pomp and circumstance, Belichick, and to have Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks defending Super Bowl champs looking to repeat for the first time since Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and all that pomp and circumstance did it. Um, you know, it, it really is a very strong storyline. It really is probably the best Super Bowl we could have asked for. And uh, for that, I'm excited. This is the last football game of the year. This is it. And then we, we, we sit and we talk about it for a couple of weeks. And then, and then we wait for the draft and OTAs and all that, and then we do it all over again. So this is it. And uh, I'm excited. I'm pumped up. And I'm really pumped up more than normal because in a moment you're going to find out why. I got I have a special guest joining us that I'll bring him on momentarily. But it's, it's someone I've been wanting to get on the show for quite some time. And finally, you know, uh, all, 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 the, all the things that make these things happen actually happen. And, uh, and and then of course of course I'm sitting I'm sitting uh, around yesterday up here in Bristol Connecticut and um, I'm looking at the weather report and I'm thinking am I even going to have a show tomorrow <laughs> I, I, you know in, in case you in case you guys don't know it's me Commissioner T live on a Madden voice and I was sitting there thinking with the projections of snow coming I could lose power I mean anything could happen and I reached out to my co-host last night and I said hey guys. Uh, what do you guys want to do? Should we, should, you know, should I just, you know, move the show to Wednesday, reach out to the special guest, see if he's free, and a couple of guys say, why don't we do this show tonight? I'm like, wow, tonight, Monday, yeah, you know, and then we got six days to a Super Bowl, and I don't really want to do that. I said, you know, let me get gamble, and uh, the gamble paid off. Parts of Connecticut really got whacked, the trees saw it on the news. Uh, fortunately, where 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 I live, we we did get a decent amount of snow, but it wasn't crippling. It wasn't paralyzing. It wasn't what they predicted, which is fine with me. So thus, we are here bringing you the Madden Voice. 
But as you know, I don't do this alone. Let me bring on my co-host, and then I'll bring on a special guest. This first guy you guys know very, very well. He's actually from Bristol, like myself, now living down in the ATF. Some call him the voice of reason. I just call him my little brother. JB, welcome to the Madden Voice. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I'm hyped, pumped, excited, all those adjectives that you can think of. You can throw, throw me in that. I'm ready to go. Tapas of football, right? And uh, this other guy, this is my first co-host. This is the guy who won the very first EAFL Super Bowl way back in the Stone Ages. This is the man with all of the philosophy. He does have his Ph.D., and I and, and I don't mean play his degree. I mean actually has his Ph.D. The man himself, Dr. Philosophy, Dr. Train, welcome to the Madden Voice. T, J.B., hey, I'm just here so I don't get fined, man. <laughs> man, I was waiting for somebody to break that line out. <laughs> I just, I just man, don't want to get fined. We're going to dig in. We're going to dig into that one, man, oh, man, man, oh, man. And, um, and uh, I'm expecting K-Star. Um, he's not with us currently, but I'm expecting K-Star. But we're just going to move along and, when K-Star rolls right in, you know, the new daddy, you know, juggles and this and that. And, and who knows? He'll get here when he get here, I guess. But but before I take him off mute, let me just say, this guy, that this, this, this special guest, you know, I've known him for a while. I consider him a friend, okay? And, you know, I have been trying to get him on the show for quite a while now. And just schedules and things, you know. But... We do have him on the show, and I'm taking him off mute now. <laughs> this guy is from Chicago. This guy graduated Columbia College, second in his class, went on to start a very prestigious and esteemed career as a sports anchor and reporter, including four years or five years with ESPN right here in Bristol. He's been in Alabama. He's been in Massachusetts. He's been in Atlanta, L.A., D.C., New Orleans. You name it. This man has covered it, has been there, has seen it all. And we all love Stuart Scott. We do, and may he rest in peace. But I have to say, before Stuart Scott, this man was breaking barriers, breaking color barriers, in the world of sports reporting. It is my pleasure, my honor, to introduce and bring on former ESPN anchor, current sports anchor, Eric Clemens. Welcome to the Madden Voice. Hey, man, you, you finally got me. I'm here. It's such an honor to be um, with such a steam company. And, uh, you know, if I, was, if I was light enough, you could see me blushing, you know. So, uh, <laughs> uh, well, uh, so, and and I'm, I'm not only here because the NFL make, is making me do it so I don't get fined. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, first of all, we got to give you our ceremonial, you know. <laughs> we give you that. And then, and then, all right. And then, and then, and then now I'm really brush. This, one. this one's for the brothers. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? There we go. Here we go. 
All right, all right. Well, Eric, it's great to have you on the show. And as as I said, I know we've been trying to do this for, for a while now, and um, I'm just glad schedule synced up. I'm glad the storm, um, you know, uh, um, didn't turn out quite. At least in our area, wasn't as bad as, as they thought. So, um, right, um, right. Did, you, did, did you make it okay today in the storm? I made it okay today. Um, you know, I, <clears throat> I've given up uh, a while ago, and, and uh, in my career, uh, especially in, in local television, I have uh, talked to some weather people, and I asked them if you can have it your way, uh, how far in the future would you predict? And all of them have told me separately, like, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> so, you know, all of the five-day forecasts and seven-day forecasts, they are just shooting darts, really, with blindfolds on. Uh, you know, there's so many variables that go into uh, predicting atmospheric conditions and what might happen. Uh, but I'm so very happy that uh, we missed the bulk of it. Uh, I'm very concerned about our nearby neighbors who caught the bulk of it. So let's yeah. hope that everything in our neighboring states uh, that really got hit very hard by the snowstorm um, turns out well. Yeah, yeah, well said, well said. Um, and, I, and I echo those sentiments to our neighbors, um, you know, north and, and, and east of us. And, um, yeah. uh, you know, and, and it's funny because I saw – New, uh, uh, um, maybe even colleagues of yours, um, almost apologizing because yeah. in some parts in, in, in Connecticut and New York, it wasn't as bad as they said it was going to be. And I'm saying that's just ridiculous. You know, right? You know, I mean, I'd rather be overprepared than underprepared. Right. Absolutely, you know, and, and uh, you know, uh, it's just. Of, of an inexact science. I mean, unless you're in the middle of the desert in the middle of the summer or something, you pretty much know tomorrow's going to be sunny and hot. You know, but other than that, it, it's almost impossible to predict how a storm's going to move, how fast it's going to move, how slow it's going to move. You can take all the data and guess, but you really can't. So I was hoping, as all the snow was predicted to be coming, that, you know, maybe they'd be off a little bit or maybe go to the north or maybe, you know, not even hit us as hard. And that ended right. up happening. But I certainly don't go around and call them idiots because of it. the business makes them, you know, make these projections and fills with a lot of hype. And uh, and uh, some people don't pay them any attention, which I, I wouldn't recommend. But I certainly kind of wait and see and, 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 and then, you know, try to prepare for the worst just in case it does come. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's kind of like complaining about law enforcement. Imagine your life without it. Complain about yeah, absolutely. And, and, okay, stop watching the weather then, and just go on and live your life, and don't watch the weather anymore, and see how you make out. Right. Good luck to you. You know, <laughs> really. Um, yeah. I'm you know me don't have to watch the weather out here in California, so I, I really don't watch it. It's just kind of funny every day. <laughs> oh, now you're rubbing my nose back on you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I now have uh, our, our colleague, uh, K-Star, one of the best Madden, nation, Madden players ever to play the game. Uh, K-Star from Indianapolis is now with us. K-Star, welcome to the Madden Voice. Happy to be here. And, uh, yeah, Trey, enjoy your California not having to watch forecast because here in Indiana and also obviously in the East Coast, we are day-to-day on it because we Definitely. have to be. Definitely. <laughs> right. So, so just so – Take a second to reset so everybody knows. We have 
former ESPN anchor Eric Clemens, also a friend of mine. I prefer saying a friend of mine, frankly, because you know, Me too. more important than the ESPN stuff. But, you know, for our fans out there, they want to know, you know, who is this Eric Clemens guy? And, you know, you've hit the big time because you've got a Wikipedia page, brother. I mean, <laughs> where did you think I learned all of that from? About you got a Wikipedia page. Yeah, my, uh, my, my daughter did that as uh, one of her assignments in school. And, of course, if, if they check the information and it proves all false, they'll yank it down. But they didn't because, you know, I mean, I didn't lie about anything. It's, it's all there and it's true. And uh, you're not the first person who was quite impressed with, with the fact that uh, I have a wiki page. I edited some of it, but everything there is pretty much the way it went. So it stays. I'll check tomorrow, though. <laughs> Make sure it's still there. <laughs> well, when you check tomorrow, then you'll have to say, and was a guest, was a guest on the Madden Voice. You have to add that there you now, too. There you go. Now I'm truly legit. I'm truly legit. <laughs> so, Eric, we have uh, K-Star who lives out in Indianapolis. We have my younger brother, JB, who lives down in Atlanta. And we also have Dr. Train. Um, uh, clearly, these are all nicknames. Dr. Train is out in California. And, then, of course, myself right here with you here in Bristol, Connecticut. And the first thing I want to ask you is, what are your thoughts now? Now, now that we're, we, we are seemingly near the end of Deflate Gate, I mean, now the latest uh, words out there is, is a video of an attendant, and they're trying to determine if this guy brought the balls and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I mean, we just, at this point, it, it doesn't seem to ever go away, but it does seem yeah. with media day today, we're kind of taking a turn more towards focusing on the game. But what are your thoughts on Deflate Gate? Do you think? It is really a lot to do about nothing, or do you think there was something here that was worth the NFL diving into and investigating? Well, to be honest, I mean, um, this story, hype, whatever you want to call it, has different sides. It's almost almost like the police, you know. If a certain crime happens in a certain area, the first people they look at is people who have a history (laughs) of committing that crime. They're going to bring you in first. So the Patriots, you know, like it or not, have a history of being accused of doing little stuff to give themselves a competitive edge. So I guess that's where it kind of comes from. But when I first heard it, the first thing I thought was, you know, when's the last time a a slightly deflated football blocked or tackled or ran or anything else? And it was 45 to 7. It wasn't 10 to 7. Um, you know, maybe they face some kind of punishment in terms of a fine or whatever or whatever. But, you know, all I mean, I saw a petition today. Uh, people are trying to get a petition signed to say replay the AFC championship game. and Or, you know, it, to me, you know, uh, yeah, the, some attention should be paid to it to see, you know, what, if anything, that they did, you know, illegally or did they do it to gain some kind of unfair advantage? Maybe they hold on to the ball better if it's slightly deflated or something. But other than that, you know, it's much ado about very little to me. I mean, just personally. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not a huge Patriots fan, even though I've lived up in this area most all my life. I respect them, but, you know, they don't float my boat, really. But... Mm-hmm. You know, those guys play the game. They, they are very well coached. They do things in a, in a proper fashion. 
They win games. Their track record speaks for itself. Don't try to take away from a thrashing that they gave the Colts by saying they were able to thrash the Colts because they played with deflated footballs. Mm-hmm. Can we deport everyone who signed that petition? Can we find all the names and just <laughs> come out of here? I got an email or something about it, and I'm like, I just started laughing, and then I, I, I deleted the page. I'm like, get out of here, you know. Give me a break. Let's, let the record sign a petition and, and go. I, I'd be more in favor of signing the position and making the NFL a uh, petition, rather, and making the NFL reconsider their ruling with the uh, Des Bryant catch, non-catch. That's what I'm talking about. You know, rather than whether a team played with a deflated football or not. I, you know, I don't know, guys. I mean, I haven't followed it that closely. Maybe you can enlighten me a little bit. Have we discussed really – what the tremendous advantage is for playing? There isn't any. There isn't any. <laughs> okay. I thought ESPN I missed actually, I ESPN sure. had a sports science video for it. Uh, you know how they do those sports science videos, you know, to, uh, basically just going through certain things with physics and all that great stuff. Well, I mean, yeah. they did the same thing for uh, this. And actually, right. ESPN took it down because it basically states that there is no advantage. If anything, there's a disadvantage because the ball hangs in the air, travels in the air longer Given the defense point zero three of a second longer if it's at like a certain threshold that I guess the Patriots were projected yeah. or speculated to be at, and also like that that gives the defenders the DBs um, an inch, uh, yeah, a margin of an inch as to how they can make up ground as, as opposed to you know a properly inflated ball that's at you know NFL regulated levels. So there's no yeah. advantage. It's just absurd. Well, well, let, let's 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 slow down here with the. Bill size, Bill not a science guy analysis. <laughs> There's a lot we don't know, okay. And I'm not so quick to to agree that it that there was that there could be no advantage. I don't think that it mattered in that particular game. You could have been playing with a Nerf ball and they, they just rocked the Colts. I don't think it had any impact on that game. But mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you what bothers me. Bill Belichick came through very credible in his news conference, very assured, very confident, and really determined to share the information, and now I'm moving on. Tom Brady Mm -hmm. is like a deer in the headlights. Tom Brady, I've seen 50 Tom Brady news conferences, only because I'm here in New England, so they're always on TV. I've seen that guy all the time, and he um, he looked nervous. He didn't look confident. And when they asked him, do you think that you're a cheater, he said, I'd like to think I'm not a cheater. What the heck kind of answer is that? Eric, if I ask you, are you a cheater, the answer is going to be what? Absolutely not. Exactly. Right. And so, so what, what we don't know is, does Brady prefer a slightly deflated ball? And could this be something that Brady has done for years that maybe just got discovered? We don't know. There's still questions to this. But I think at this point, the NFL needs to back burner it because we have a Super Bowl that needs to be played. There is no way that a slightly deflated ball is what cost them the game. And the reason we know this is because at halftime, the balls were inflated to regulation, and Brady goes out and and they score four touchdowns in the second half. So whether Brady wanted it that way or not, at halftime it was 17-7. At the end of the game, was 45-7. And the second half, the balls were regulation. So 
I, I think at this point, do your investigation, keep it off the front page of NFL.com, and, and get back to us in a couple of weeks and let us know what you found out. And at worst, if you find out that someone on the staff did something thinking that they were helping out Tom Brady because of the weather or whatever, find him a hundred grand and let's move on. My opinion. Let's, let's yep. move on. We got to get. I agree with. Point. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, yep. now Eric, who is your football team? I I'm a diehard Chicago fan of everything. So that's what I'm talking about. So so anytime. So 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 let's. Uh, I mean, it is a very forgettable uh, Bears football season. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess uh, being – I was in, in Boston covering the Patriots, uh, let's see, right at the end of the uh, McPherson era, and then they brought in – I think I was there for one year of Parcells. And uh, so – Let's put it this way. They've never been the most media-friendly organization around. So it's it's not like we as reporters there were ever able to really get close to anyone. They kind of made sure that you didn't. And uh, some of the players, like, you know, I, I can barely watch Willie McGinnis on the air on the NFL Network because he, he could be such a jerk in the mm-hmm. locker room. And it still amazes me how many guys that were absolute jerks. And I don't mean any offense if I mention anybody's friend here, but Marshall Falk was a jerk. You know, Dan Marino was a jerk. Great football player, Willie McGinnis was a jerk. Great football players. And now, at least, I don't know if Marino's on anything now, but up until recently, all of them transitioned into media and become these kind of glib guys who, you know, are breaking everything down. And it just it just rubs me the wrong way. Um, it That's shouldn't – I know I shouldn't hold a grudge, but part of me does. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm so glad you said that because I, 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 I'm going to ask you. And, and, you know, we sit here and do this show, and um, I watch First Take. I watch – I think many of us watch – a lot of the shows, and I sit here and I say, I don't get it. I, I don't get it because what you said is right on point. These guys, I mean, do, do, do companies like your former employer, they seek these guys out. They seek these, these because they had a name, because they won a Super Bowl, because it, it, it doesn't matter that they have poor communication, poor communication skills. It doesn't matter that they really don't connect to the fans. It really doesn't matter that, you know, maybe they understand how to play the game. They don't know how to analyze the game, but yet they all get jobs talking football. And and very high-paying jobs. I mean, yeah. all of those – when I was at Fox, I mean, you know, again, there's some guys that are just born for this. I mean, you know, uh, Tony Gonzalez and people like that, they've been priming themselves their entire career to make a transition into television. Or, you know, Dan Deardorff, somebody like that, who actually worked in local television and honed his broadcasting skills. I don't know if you guys remember, but he was a pretty good boxing play-by-play guy too, Dan Deardorff. And, you know, this guy would come up to us all the time. He says, I want to make sure that I earn mine in this arena. I don't want you giving me anything or whatever just because I used to play. And we we respect that. And it doesn't mean I don't respect the Dion's or anybody like that. It just is amazing 
to me that management and many of these networks and stuff still thinks that the fan, like, you know, we all are, that the people who really love the game really care whether Dan Marino told them something about what he thinks or whether, you know, John Clayton told them what he thinks or what he found out with his reports. I really don't think you tune into an NFL show because Willie McGinnis is on it. You tune into the show to get some information. And it really, as long as the information is decent and credible or whatever, I don't think we really care that much. However, management and God bless America, you know, management is of of impression that if you're a former player or you won a Super Bowl and you have decent communication skills, then everybody's going to tune into that show because of you. And it's never been true. It's never been true. If you're going to watch the Dallas Cowboys against the, you know, the uh, Seattle Seahawks and if, if Pat Summerall was still alive and John Madden was still alive, yeah, that would be a plus if they were doing mm-hmm. the game. But if they weren't, it wouldn't stop you from watching the game. Right. You still watch the game, whether it was Joe Buck, whether it was Bob Costas, whether it was Greg Gumbel, Bryant Gumbel, it wouldn't matter. But right. in management, they are locked in, man. They think it really matters. Like right now, they think it really matters that almost every sideline reporter is female and that we see full body shots of the female you know, on the sideline right, right, right. or whatever. And you're like, I like females, but, you know, I'm watching a football game. Right. <laughs> you know, okay, again, I digress. It's just me. <laughs> no, no, no. I, no, brother, hey, man, it's open forum, man. I don't. This All is right. Myself, okay. This, this, I, don't, <laughs> I don't pay no advertisers. I don't pay no, no lobbyists. All right, we cool. can do whatever we want cool. on the Madden Voice. So, All right. right. We roll. All, All right, right, man. Um, but uh, I, would be re- I would be remiss if I didn't say, by the way, Dr. Train is also a diehard Chicago Bears, and I think Chicago All right, Bulls, doc- man. All right, doctor. You know, we we got to get, get those Bulls winning a little bit, playing more consistent at home, but... Uh, oh, man, that's a whole nother story. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do another show about that one. We'll, we'll call yeah. it the... <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hey, so, seeing with your expensive career in the media, I've, I've got it. There's so many opinions on Marshawn Lynch. And, of course, mm-hmm. right on cue, I already had it on the agenda to discuss, and then right on cue, he gave us more talking points today, right. media day, and, you know, as, as we've alluded to already, I'm only here so I don't get fined. So, you know, there, there, there are – I've heard people say, leave him alone. I've heard uh-huh. people say the man needs to not do that. He needs to respect the game. What are your thoughts as a member of the media with his – the way he treats today, media day, and, and his post-game interviews? Oh, man. Well, I mean, on the surface – uh, you know, I, I really, I really don't know if it should be a mandate that someone has to talk to media if they don't want to. I do understand that that's the conduit by which the fan gets to know the player a little bit and and and, and gets to know about him. But I'd rather him not talk to me than sit there and, and repeat the same thing. You know, after a while, it was pretty funny. Um, uh, baseball, baseball is more notorious for it. I mean, Hall of Famer uh, Andy Murray. Uh, I I can't ever remember him speaking to the media. I I, I never remember him 
speaking on camera to anyone, you know, maybe he did it as a rookie, but I, I think Marshawn must feel, and probably rightfully so, that anything he says can and will be used against him <laughs> in the court of public opinion. So rather than say anything, you know, he kind of uh, pleads the fifth and doesn't say anything. I, I can't say I'm angry at him for that. Uh, I did see in the last few weeks, who did he sit down with? Was it was it Marshall Falk? Was it Michael? I can't remember who he sat down and actually gave a real interview with. This is within the last two, three weeks. It was the, yeah, he did. And, uh, you know, I missed the interview, but he did. I saw pieces of him. He's, he's, he's not an unintelligent guy. I mean, he, you know, obviously he has things that he believes in and he does probably in the community that, you know, he doesn't want any publicity for or anything. But I believe somewhere along the line, he must have been burned um, by granting an interview or giving somebody a piece of inter- information maybe that he didn't give anybody else, and maybe he feels he was burned by that. So he's told himself it's not going to happen anymore, and uh, he's not going to be burned. And so, uh, and, and if he was asked that during the interview, I did not see it. I saw a little piece of the interview, but I did not see the whole thing. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd rather him not talk to me. I remember, um, uh, and, and I, I moved to another thing with another host, Marshall Falk. When he was playing, he happened to be playing uh, in a game where uh, somebody was going to break a record. Uh, I think it might have even been Marino was going to break a record or something. And we wanted to interview Marshall Falk, and he was very nasty. You know, what are you doing here? What are you? I was working for Fox at the time, uh, Fox NFL Sunday. You cover the NFC. And I finally looked at him and told him, Marshall, if you don't want to talk to me, just say no. You don't have to talk to me. We'll get somebody else. I just thought you might want to comment about one of the great players of all time at his position, who you've seen up close and personal from the sideline many times, Dan Marino. And, but if you don't want to talk, it's okay. Then he wanted to talk. <laughs> but, but um, you know, um, it, it's humorous. It makes for good television when he keeps repeating. I, I think I saw a thing where he said, uh, I just, I'm just here because I don't want to be fined, whatever it was, like 28 times during his – his time uh, on the podium, 30, 30. 30 yeah. you know, and yeah. even the network yeah. guys, you know, came over, the NFL network guy, he wouldn't say anything to them. So, yeah. you know, it's just like, ah, whatever. It's his time. He can do with it what he, what he wants. And I, I don't think the league should have to force somebody to speak if they're really not comfortable or don't want to. Uh, the, talk to the real people. question is, why did he get 30 questions if that's all he was going to say? You would think after the 10th, exactly. people would be like, oh, okay. I think I think it would have been much more powerful had the media, after about the fifth time, recognized that he wasn't going to say anything, and everybody just turned around and walked away and found somebody else. That would have been you know, more powerful than anything. But he got as much or more media coverage saying or repeating the same thing over and over again then he probably would have if he'd given just regular answers to questions. Um, but here, here, here's my thing, Eric. Here's my thing. Mm-hmm. This guy is paid to be a pro football player. Mm-hmm. All the money 
all the money generated by the NFL, one way, shape, or form, comes from the fans. Whether it's mm-hmm. advertising dollars, whether it's merchandise, whether it's ticket sales, concession sales, some way or another, you get a TV deal, the NFL gets a TV deal. Why? Because we're watching TV and we're buying the products that are on TV. That's why they get a TV deal. So it always boils down to you and I and us watching football on Sunday. So do yep. you think, this is my opinion, and, 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 and you know, we, can, we can disagree, but right. my position is you have an obligation. You don't have to write a book. You don't have to be up there all day. But your fans want to hear from you. These are the people that afford you the opportunity to play this game. These are the ones that buy your jersey. These are the ones that watch the commercial that you're in. And he is in an NFL Network commercial. doesn't play anything, of course, but he's in a commercial. They go to your games. These are your fans. They want to hear from you. They want to hear your opinion on that great run you had a few games ago and how it compares to the run you had against um, New Orleans a couple of years ago. They want to hear that from you. And you are turning your back, not just on the media, but on all your fans. Well, that that is certainly that is certainly a way that you look at it, and it's hard to disagree with uh, that assessment. But on the flip side of that, it could say, "Well, I'm I'm paid to play the games, even though it's for the fans. I'm paid to do my job and be beast mode and run the ball and get my team wins. And if I do that, that's all I owe. I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm just saying that." You know, I'd rather not talk to a guy who doesn't want to talk. If he doesn't ever want to talk to the media, whatever his reasons are, it's a lot of tape, man. I don't want to have to go through tape where you can say anything. I'd rather move to somebody who's talking. And it's really very rare. I mean, has he always been this way? Was he this way when he was with Buffalo? I don't don't recall seeing a lot of interviews with him. Maybe he's always been. I don't know, but um, and you know, there's some guys who talk you wish never talked. <laughs> but well, um, yeah. it's a, it's a it's a real you know catchy situation. I think you know I, I imagine that he does do some things in the community, and those who are in his inner circle, you know, really know him. I mean. To me, it's not a whole lot of difference. Follow me here. It's not a whole lot of difference between him and Belichick. What has Belichick ever really said? When you really analyze it, you look at his tapes, his press conferences, what does he ever really say? Well, we're going to look at the film, and it's on to Cincinnati. We're going to look at that, and it's on to whatever. And he'll repeat that over and over and over again. Now. He's the head coach, and so he, he should be obligated to face the media and answer questions about his team. But my point is, he doesn't say much either. <laughs> he meets his obligation, but he doesn't let us know anything about well, what he does. I think the difference is he will address the issue, but then when he's done, he's done. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, 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 yeah. And, you know, after the game, they ask him questions. He answers the questions. And then the next day they ask him, then he says, we're on to Cincinnati. Like, that was yesterday. I answered you yesterday. I'm done. Now, right. now I'm on to the next game. So I, I, I give him a little bit more credit than Lynch, who just, you know, I guess uh, it just bugs maybe, me because I view it disrespectful to the fans. Maybe a little. And, and, and I can see your point. It's very difficult to blatantly disagree 
with what you said. I, I would think the players would understand. And when, when I reported, you know, locally or, or whatever, uh, I always try to explain to the guys that I'm a representative of the fans. I'm here kind of asking you questions that if fans could come in here and ask you, they'd probably ask you as well. Uh, and uh, if you don't give me anything that I have to do a police blotter on, I couldn't care less what you do with your personal life, how many girlfriends you have, all that stuff. doesn't matter. You know, really, we're, we're talking about football, and if we strike up a friendship and you start exchanging stuff with me and you tell me it's off the record, it stayed off the record. But, you know, if, if, if you get uh, called, you know, and put in jail for domestic abuse, don't expect me not to say anything about it just because we have a friendly relationship. I have my job to do. So I, right. I, I think I think if, if if we really got to the crux of it, I would I would bet you know I'd be eighty percent certainty that somewhere in his past, maybe in his college days, maybe in his early pro days, he got burned or what he perceived as burned uh, by giving an interview or some information to a reporter who may or may not have been trying to make a bigger name for themselves by dropping his name, and he decided that he wasn't going to be burned like that anymore. Because I've met mm -hmm. several athletes that did have a policy of speaking to the media, and then, you know, midseason they stop talking or, you know, whatever, and they pay their fines because they feel that they were burned by somebody. <clears throat> and I think to some extent, um, yes, they do have an obligation to their fans, but it is their time. It is their personal thoughts. And if they want to keep their thoughts to themselves, I think they should have the ultimate right to do that. I think ultimately, you know, in the long run, that that hurts them in terms of their reputation with their fans. But I think that should be a player's choice to make. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um I have, I can talk all night, but I mean, let me pause for a minute. If anybody wants to call in, 347-838-9525, 347-838-9525. You can also catch us on Twitter. It's at the Madden Voice on Twitter. Uh, hashtag TMV if you like, but we'll see it either way. And if you happen to be on Facebook, it's facebook.com backslash the Madden Voice. And while you're there, go ahead and like the page and uh, make sure you tell a friend. To any of my co-hosts, because I have more questions, but any of my co-hosts, you guys have any questions you'd like to ask Eric Clemens? Well, uh, I'll step in there since he's a Chicago native. All right. <laughs> Just a little little background, at least my Chicago background. I did live there for about uh, six years, attended, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the high school, Western House. Okay, yeah, definitely. Very familiar. Yeah. Mark Wire's old high school, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but my question is more pertaining, you know, since you since you are a Bears fan, uh, of course you you tracked them even longer than I have, and right. um, the one thing I did read about them hiring this particular uh, coaching staff, at least from the head coach point of view, is they they hadn't hired a former head coach as their new head coach since George Hollis hired himself back in like right. seven. Right. So. Uh, from from that standpoint, and with the history that that you have on the team, uh, you know, how do you feel about the hire as the head coach and along with his assistant? Even all even the assistants that they hired, uh, uh, Vic 
Fangio, he has, you know, he's been a successful defense coordinator, and along with Adam Gates, he's been a successful offensive coordinator. So, right. yeah, just how do you feel about the hire in particular from head coach on down? Yeah, I, I think it was a, a pretty good hire. I, I, um, I was a little shocked to to learn that things had gotten that tense between Fox and uh, John Elway out in Denver. I, I didn't know it was yeah. that heavy. Uh, but when he became available, I went, wow, that's somebody's going to snatch him up pretty quick. I mean, look at the track record of the guy. And I, I think that it's a really good hire because he, he does know what the vision is. He does know what he's doing. He does have a track record. And so players can look at him and go, oh, yeah, this guy's done it. This guy knows, you know. Maybe it was a little different in 80-whatever when Ditka was hired. You know, he's a fiery guy. But Ditka knew Bear tradition. He knew what he wanted the Bears to do. Lovey had had a long track record on the defensive side of the ball, and he came in with a clear vision. I remember his first news conference. Lovey Smith said, we're going to win the division, we're going to beat the Packers, and we're going to go to Super Bowls. And from that point, it was like, this is our guy. He said, beat the Packers second. Because, you know, I mean, I joke around the house all the time, and my relatives think I'm so cruel. I asked uh, before the game in Seattle, I said, did the plane crash with the Packers going into Seattle? They said, I don't think so. I said, shut <laughs> of course, Of course, I'm only kidding. I don't wish death on anybody. <laughs> but it's it just it's just me being a Bear fan and my extreme hatred for the Green Bay Packers and those other two teams in the division, in the division as well. But I think it's a good hire. I think they've got a good, young, bright general manager. I think I personally don't believe there's that much difference in the top five NFL teams and the bottom five. A little talent here and there, a lucky break here and there, and I guarantee you one of the bottom five, ten NFL teams will probably be knocking at the door of the playoffs next year. And so because the parity is so so widespread now. You know, you remember back in the day when you could count the contending teams probably on, you know, one, maybe one and a half hands. Those teams were going to be there every year. Cowboys, Steelers, you know. Uh, every now and then a new one would come in, you know. But now, I mean, literally – you know, there's somebody knocking at the door every year that, that you, you might not have expected or, you know, one team makes the playoffs or makes it almost to a championship game one year and doesn't make the playoffs the next year. It's so common. So I, I really expect the focus to be back. I expect the Bears to establish an identity, again, with good, solid defense and good, solid ball control. And I expect them to win more games. Apparently. Mark Trussman did not have that clear vision, and it became more and more apparent that his vision wasn't that clear as we went into, you know, halfway through the second, his second season as head coach. I think he will make a great offensive coordinator. It takes all that pressure off of running everything, and he can focus on what he does best. But it just didn't work out in Chicago, and I think Fox is a very good hire for them. So and not even the thing is, What you're saying is you expect to hear this song again very soon. Uh -uh. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Sometimes it's tough to stay in the business on the big screen on TV and stuff. So you have to you have to tap into other areas of your uh, creative energy and talent. And, and fortunately, I was able to do that. And uh, fortunately, most people you know uh, express a lot of uh, pleasure and enjoyment out of hearing us do our thing. And, and I really um, appreciate that too. I've I've cut back though, T, to um, part time or very little time, really focusing on finishing my masters right now. So you won't okay. see me with the group as much, but you will see me out and about sometimes. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's lovely, that's lovely. Um, yeah. I have another question for you. Yeah. So we always hear uh, NFL insiders, they always talk about um, you know, everyone wants to break the latest story, and they always you always hear, you know, there's sources and, you know, uh, league sources and team sources and team officials. And, and, and I get the theory of you can't identify your sources because they're trusting you with this information. So right. not questioning that. What I'm questioning is, in your experience, being well-traveled and, and, and well-journeyed in this field, mm-hmm. is there ever times that any of these guys make things up? Any time that they break a story with really no source, with really no information, just maybe they have a hunch or have a feeling, but they don't really have a source. I would, I would say it, it's something I've never done, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was done. Uh, I'll tell you this: I've gotten stories from a source, and and I mean, the source is is close to the origination of the story as possible. In one case, it was the source from the horse's mouth gave me a bit of information. I ran the information, and then he recounted the information (laughs) later when he saw it. And I'm like, hey, what are you doing? (laughs) Didn't you tell me it was this? Well, I changed my mind. He He told me he was retiring. I ran that he was retiring. And then when he was contacted uh, the next day by somebody else, he had recant- recanted his story. And that was very yeah, embarrassing. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> and, no, it was not Brett Favre. But, but it was a person, that, and, and, you know, we, we had a great relationship, and 
he gave me this, and I said, well, why? Obviously, you can still do it, and the guy said, you know, he wanted to spend more time with his family. You know, he gave me the whole spiel. I ran the story, and, you know, his career stats and stuff, <laughs> and then, you know, the newspaper called him, and the next day in the newspaper, you know, he calls the story not true, and I'm like, whoa. So I call him back and go, dude, what are you doing to me? <laughs> and he said, oh, I'm sorry, I, I just uh, kind of changed my mind. Well, you could have called me back and told me, dude. But I, I think a lot of times that um, maybe some more ambitious people uh, might do something like that. They might play a hunch and say something. But these guys now, it's just so intricate, man. They they are moving and shaking in all these kind of circles and and I know a lot of these NFL insiders like Rappaport and Clayton and all these guys, they are talking to management-type people or ownership-type people. I think those are their sources. Because more and more, the players are knowing very little. The stuff you get from players is kind of like if there's tension in the locker room or if there's somebody being perceived as a problem inside the locker room. Then those kinds of things come from players. But, you know, somebody's getting ready to be fired or somebody's looking to do X, you know, with this player or release that player. Those guys are, are, have sources within upper management uh, of most teams. And those people, the news is going to be leaked anyway. They just leak it to those guys a little early to create buzz. So I, I would say 98% of the time when you hear one of those NFL insiders say something, you know, they've gotten it from a pretty solid contact within that organization or within the league that uh, that that happened. Do you and every night you get a young, young buck trying to make a name for himself or something that will try to make something up or break something that isn't necessarily, the thought isn't necessarily complete yet. In this day of salary caps and contract negotiations almost done in social media, do players and coaches use the media to help negotiate? In other words, plant stories of interest, agents, you know, claiming that a team might have an interest, um, you know, to, 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 to get the team that has the contract to really act. Have you seen things like that happen? I haven't personally seen it, but I, I can guarantee you that agents do it. I, I'm almost positive agents do it. And I'm sure there have been situations where teams um, might have planted some information to enhance and or damage the reputation of a player <clears throat> and, uh, you know, to increase or decrease that particular player's value. But understand that's pretty that's pretty serious stuff. So, you know, if you're caught doing that, I mean you, you could really, really face a hefty lawsuit or whatever, especially if the information is negative. I I believe that uh I believe that a lot of management people will give you if if they have a good enough relationship with you as a reporter, will give you information because A the Ian Rappaports, the Claytons, um, and the other people uh, that are those insider guys, they know that that information is going to get out and become buzz very quickly. And now it's all about buzz. It's all about what's being tweeted and 
what's on Facebook and how much buzz is being generated around this. And so they, they only help themselves by leaking a little bit of information to one of those inside guys because, you know, all of these guys we talk about that we see on these NFL shows, all these Hall of Famers, all of these, you know, very rarely do they uh, break news, very rarely, because the players are generally the last people to know. And that, that's who they have the rapport with. They can relate to the player or the former player, but not much so much so with management. So that, and I believe all those reporters, their contacts are more upper management type people who can, you know, drop you something on the down low and have the word get out, you know, under more um, covered circumstances, so to speak. Gotcha. Gotcha. What are, what are your thoughts on shows like uh, specifically First Take, where you have two, um, and I don't know your relationships with either of these gentlemen or if you have one, but you have two you know, sports writers, reporters that have both been in the field for a while, and they come on this debate show, and they're mm -hmm. on it five days a week, and their opinions on different topics pretty much change like the weather. Um, <laughs> You know, it, it, it's it's almost hilarious. I actually beginning of the season, and I I kind of just it got it got so funny. I just stopped doing it. But actually, one of my segments on the Madden Voice was Kamish T versus First Take, and I would take a segment off of First Take, play it on the air, and then debunk it, and then show everyone how ridiculous this viewpoint was, how it's not based in any layer of fact or any layer of football or sports knowledge. It's just sensationalism. It's just inflammatory. Um, but that, yeah, I, I totally, I totally agree with you. And, uh, I, I guess for some reason, uh, the trend now is to have these types of opinion based programs. All your hosts, your co-hosts can, can recall if I give you a scenario and you'll know it. And I'm sure you probably know it already, but in case you didn't, when you're listening to a talk show, even if you listen to Rush Limbaugh or, you know, other controversial hosts, you know when they're reaching and when they're really trying to just get something going, when you hear a lot of pauses. Mm. Well, um, we're now, President Obama said yesterday, <laughs> you know that nobody's in the queue who's calling. There's really nothing to talk about, but I still got this time to fill. And so I've got to say something. I've got to agitate because basically that's what they're being paid to do. It's kind of like a newspaper columnist. You know, they're, you know, a lot of people until recently didn't recognize that the newspaper columnist, the newspaper was the major media uh, uh, focus, you know, several years ago or whatever. The columnist was paid to give his opinion and throw a few quotes in. But basically he has an agenda and his opinion, and he's going to quote and do what he needs to do to verify or justify his opinion, okay? Well, these columnists have now just moved to television. And so in television, in a live or live-to-tape scenario, you know, you don't have time to open the research or do things. So a lot of the stuff is sensationalized, and they're encouraged to sensationalize stuff. And I, I can't do it. I mean, I'm I'm almost at my fill of so many opinions on these TV shows anyway. 
But it's hard for me to to watch that and and I, I wind up asking myself, why why do I care what you think about that? But <laughs> again, that's me and I I've been in the business for a while, so I know I look at it maybe a little differently than a fan looks at it. I remember Ralph Wiley, and he was every bit as opinionated as either one of those guys of Stephen A. and well, I can't remember the other guy's name on the first take. Skip Shell. Skip. Skip. Skip Bayless. But Ralph always had facts to back up what he was talking about. He always could put it in, in a context. Even uh, even the pardon the interruption guys, you know, two very respectful mm-hmm. columnists, writers, they they speak, but they always have some contextual framework with which in which they operate, and so you can tolerate even some of their opinions and the way they bounce off of each other. Both very shy off the air, by the way. They're not real boisterous guys like you see them on the air. Uh, and Mike Wilbon is a Chicago boy too. There, uh, Doctor Train. So, oh yeah, you know, oh yeah, he is. Yeah. I, I, I've seen him talk about the Bulls. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, personally, I love those guys. Love PTI. It's probably my favorite ESPN show by far. Yeah, and um, and so you know they're they're encouraged to be controversial and be combative and 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 it's it's basically all hype and. They're making a lot of money being hypsters, um, and that's just kind of the trend that that seems to be acceptable today, more so than at any time I've ever seen it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, any any guys, <laughs> any questions? Yeah, I, I don't even know what to say. Uh, train, K-Star, JB, questions for uh, Eric? I, I have yeah. one quick comment and another question. Go ahead, K-Star, I'll read yeah, real quick. Um, I know you said you haven't been following it very much. But overall, what do you think of the media's coverage of this deflate gate thing? Like, do you think it's just, just kind of silly how it's being covered by even like Fox News, CNN, and having talking heads and those networks kind of, you know, give their take and opinion and and just the way it's been kind of blasted down everyone's throats in social media? What, like, what is your thoughts on how it's being reported and covered? Yeah, it's basically, it's basically par for the course. I think the minute you know you get something like that is just is just putting the um putting the lineup as something else we can fill the bucket with. You know, these people have a one hour show or two hour show or thirty minute window and they go over in their production meetings everything that they could throw into the into the bucket. And deflate gate happens to be a thing that's trending. A lot of people are talking about it. All these people are sitting around the table just like the the beginning of that TMZ show, and they're all sitting around and they're throwing all these ideas out. <laughs> you know that really happens. I mean, people throw the ideas out, and and especially talk shows and things like that. So yes, you'll you'll see it, you'll see it, and then when something else trends or something else happens that may relate to it, it'll come back again. But a lot of times it fades and fades and fades, and then you may not hear a thing about it until. Three weeks from now, when the NFL announces what it may or may not do, and then somebody will say it, and somebody will talk about it, or they may be against the NFL's action or inaction, and then you won't hear about it anymore. And and we'll be in the off season, and we'll be looking ahead to the uh, draft. And that's that. 
unfortunately, that's just kind of the way we can expect all of this to work out now. I mean, you know, we had the rice thing, right? And everybody was, you know, talking about domestic abuse or, you know, domestic violence and stuff. And then after a while, I mean, it's been a minute. They got a they got a little PSA on now. With I find funny with a lot of the people who are actors who are looking like they're upset to talk to it. And I'm saying to myself, "But you're an actor. Your job is to make me believe whatever emotion." You're yeah, to- those commercials are pretty disingenuous because of that too. I, I know it's the same thing. Like, man, these are actors. Like. You're crying, but you're crying in movies as well. So, right. if anybody right. could cry at the drop of a hat, it would be a good actor, right? Right. So, yeah. I'm not sure if that's very effective. But my point was that, you know, that trended for a while. For a while, everybody was talking about it, and now it's kind of, oh well, it's kind of by the wayside a little bit. And that's the way we we see it. I mean, you can track it. They'll be everybody will be talking about something, then nobody, and everybody can. That's the way it is right now. Train, train. You said you had a comment. Well, my comment was was based on the uh, the previous topic topic when he was talking about the uh, the the analysts on you know the different shows. So my my only issue with with those shows is that that's what some fans tend to get their full their full opinion, their full knowledge of whatever's going on. It's strictly from that show and nothing else. So when you yeah. talk to them, you just kind of looking at them in the face, like, "Really? Did, <laughs> you, you, did you not watch the game yourself? You just believe what they told you and 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 nothing else?" And right. you'd be happy to know here on the Madden Voice, it's totally, totally different. <laughs> well, yeah, really I mean, it's, <laughs> it's funny. I mean, you know, coming up and being in school and learning about journalism and the media and everything. Now we have all this media at our disposal, and it still amazes me that people don't do a little searching and find out, you know, what the different points of view are on a particular story and and, and see the highlight for yourself. Because, you know, I missed the Odell Beckham one-hand catch when it was actually on. So I said, whoa, this catch must be something. And when I searched the Internet or went to NFL.com or wherever I got it, and saw the catch, I was like, holy crap, you know. So then the next day if somebody asked me about the catch, I'd say, well, I, I didn't see it in the actual game, but I saw the replays. Wow. You know, I don't think I've ever seen anybody do that, you know. Right. But this this media is at our fingertips, and we still have this tendency to believe the words of someone else, the opinions of someone else. I wouldn't say to doubt them, but always be in the position to look at a particular story and get right. the facts, decipher them for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Just go find out, and 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 that's what makes America great. You know, we can we can go get information and exchange opinions and ideas, and we can all learn something from it. But a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people say, "Well, I saw the dude on the first take show, and he said." And that's that's the extent of their um, exposure <laughs> to the story, which is amazing to me in this day and age when we have all this media at our fingertips. If we got a laptop or a phone or a pan, or a, a, a tablet, which probably by now you figured out, I don't have one, not a tablet. 
<laughs> but uh, a laptop and a cell phone. I mean, you can you can get it all streamed right to your phone and get all the information you ever wanted. But people don't do it. Use it for Candy Crush. There you go. Watch yourself. Watch yourself. I know a few people that play that. <laughs> you, you have to have a desire to want to know the truth and want to know that you're being told the truth. And sometimes people just want to be told what they want to hear. And as soon as they hear it, they're all set because you told me what yeah. I wanted to hear. And Very true. Stop. And, and Very I think true. that's the problem where, you know, we preach here on this show, you know, if you bring it on this show, you better, you better, you know, if, if it's an opinion, then that's fine. We all have those. Right. If you're stating right. it as fact, then you better cite your source. It's simple. Yeah. You know, yeah. Me, this is the way it is. You better tell me where you got it from. I'm checking you. I'm right. checking you. I don't believe right. anybody ever tells me. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And, and that's one of my problems with first take. And, 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 and don't get me wrong. It's not a personal thing. I don't know those guys. I don't know Steve. Smith says if Bill Belichick is found to be responsible for the fleet gate, he should be suspended for a year. Okay, that's your opinion. Who cares? Right. <laughs> you you don't work for the NFL. You're a sports reporter. You know, you, you, it, it doesn't carry any weight. But guess what? It was, like, all over tweeting. Everybody was talking about it. Steve and Ace's yeah. opinion on how Bill Belichick should be punished in case he's found responsible. You know, and so it, it, I just think there is a lack of understanding fact versus opinion, and there's a lack of understanding that just because someone says something with a lot of force and vigor and enthusiasm and passion doesn't make it any more true than the next guy who has his own opinion. It's just very true. That's all. It's just opinion. That's all. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if anybody else is experiencing this. Uh, T, you sound like you're breaking up to me a little bit. Is anybody else having trouble hearing? I don't know. Yeah, it sounds like everyone's breaking up a little bit. Okay, yeah. Uh, Everybody's breaking up a little bit for me, but I I can hear you well enough to hear what you're saying, but I wondered if anybody else was having that difficulty. How do I sound now? You sound great now. Yeah, Wonderful. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. All right. I just had to move myself six inches to the left, and I'm good. Um, Cool. (laughs) Yeah, you're you're, you're right. I mean, you're right. and it's amazing. I mean, again, I, I don't mean any offense to anyone, but that that's Fox News' credo. I mean, Fox News is the epitome of what we've just spoken about. We're going to take our programming, and it's going to be from a certain point of view only. Whether it's true or not doesn't really matter, as long as that point of view is represented, and, and, you know, if you're a conservative, you know, you may love the network, you may hate it. If you're a liberal, you probably hate it. If you're somewhere in between, maybe you watch once in a while to see what they're saying about stuff. But literally, a lot of times, the stuff that they're saying is, I saw one time, man, the dude get on the air, and he just kept repeating Barack Obama's full name, Barack yeah. Hussein Obama, Barack yeah. Hussein Obama, and he had an issue with the fact that the dude's middle name was Hussein, as in Saddam Hussein. What yeah, does that have exactly. to do with the price of tea in China? Nothing. Exactly. exactly. But it was being said. So, and of course, we could cite examples of that in more liberal media too. So I don't, I don't want to just single them out. But that, that's where we are in, in the broadcast world nowadays. So, what I will say to give me hope 
is they can't control programs like yours. That's right. They're, we're always going to find a way to talk to each other and tell the truth to each other. And no government can sanction or legislate that. And so this Internet thing is uncontrollable. It's so big, so fast that they have no idea what to do. <laughs> so they can tax it and they can do this or they can slow streams or they can whatever. But people are always going to get the truth out there. People are always going to find ways to talk to each other and be real with each other and honest with each other and have honest debate which, again, is what makes this country great. And, you know, it's funny you say that because even though we're just an Internet-based podcast, uh, NFL-based show, we have reason to believe that from time to time that there are people out there from the major networks that have been known to listen to our very show. I'll give you, I'll give you a quick example. A few years ago, we were fortunate enough to have Dwight Tweeney on the show. Uh, okay. I know Dwight's father. And okay. His father's name is Hugh, and I, I know him personally. And I tried for quite a while through Hugh to get Dwight on the show. And Hugh hooked me up with his agent, and the agent played all kinds of games because in the, in the, in the realm of media, the mad voice is non-existent. Okay, let's just be right. honest. It, it's, right. it's not Fox. It's not ESPN. So exactly. he's the mad voice. So she played games. So I went back to you and I said, well, thank you for trying. Um, didn't work out. He said, what do you mean it didn't work out? I said, well, I, I couldn't get, get, no, we didn't make it happen. He said, oh, no, 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 no. It's my son. <laughs> we, we're going to make this happen. And okay. So we, we set it up. And sure enough, um, Dwight Sweeney calls into the show. Um, he told me, you know, he, you know he's going to call you this time on this night and, um, you know, be, be ready. Okay. So I let the marketing people at Blog Talk Radio, our, our host, let them know, hey, we've got, you know, at the time you were still with the Colts, um, yeah. you know, Super Bowl champion, Dwight Freeney, you know, coming on the show. Yeah. So they made a big thing on their site about Dwight Freeney's going to be on the Madden board. So we had him on the show, and one of the questions we asked them was about the 18-game schedule and how he yeah. felt about the proposed going from 16 to 18 games. And his answer, frankly, was, I hate it. <laughs> you know, we have enough time getting through, a rough time getting through 16 games. I, right. I just can't see adding two more regular season games. I don't see it. I don't like it. Okay. So the next day I'm watching ESPN, and one of the, the Sports Center hosts said in a recent interview, now, mind you, this was the very next day. Dwight right. was quoted as being against the proposed 18-game NFL schedule. And I sat there with my jaw on the ground, knowing that we had just done that the night before, knowing exactly. that that means somebody over there heard he was going to be on the show, listened to the show, and then, you know, it didn't give us credit, which kind of irritated me. Right. Cite the source. Could have said, could have, you know, I mean, you know, it wasn't an anonymous source. It's a show. It could have said, but they didn't. Fine. They had their reason. Right. So I, I, so you're, everything you're saying, I agree with. They can't legislate yeah. what we do. They can't control what we do. Not only that, they also monitor as much as they yeah. can what some of the Internet-based unaffiliated shows do. Yeah, and, and agents are dealing more quantitative stuff like 
who are you going on with? It's not ESPN. It's not Fox. It's not the NFL Network. It's not some local station, and it's not worth it. As opposed right. to, as opposed to the qualitative information of, hey, this is a podcast. It's got an audience. It's got people. It shows that you are connected with folks in in in, in the football community, even aside from the mainstream. And so, you know, I, I think if more, you know, guys knew that there were so many opportunities like this out there, you you know, you'd have more good guys who are actually playing the game or, you know, guys like that on your show. But unfortunately, as you said, you know, it, it's almost impossible unless you know somebody personally who can contact them for you. It's almost impossible, you know, to get in right. touch with those guys and, and get them right. to come on because I know they would because it's it's more relaxed. Nobody's they know that nobody on the other end of the phone line is going to try to put them on the spot or put them in an embarrassing situation to try to make a name uh, for themselves. And uh, We don't have an agenda. We don't have an no, agenda. No, we don't we have want, an agenda. We want the show to be authentic for the fans. We truly Absolutely. believe that there's not enough sports information shows generated for the fans by fellow fans, people that share right. the same passion that they do, that speak their language. You can talk right. schemes all day. That's interesting to a point. You know, right. you can talk contract negotiations all day. That's interesting to the point. You can talk salary caps all day. That's interesting to a point. But, you know, sometimes you just want to talk about who's better than who. <laughs> you know, right. like, who's going to win this game right. and why? And, and exactly. not always that to those, just that gut passion in your heart. This is why yeah. I think this is the way it's going to be. And we have that ability to communicate that to our fellow fans. And so far, you know, I think, I think the show's gone over fairly well. Um, JB, you've been awfully quiet. Are you there? Of course I'm here. I'm just enjoying the uh, discussion. <laughs> it's been, All right. been very, very good. And, and uh, hey, Eric, man, let, let me tell you something. Uh, I do have a question, but let me give you the comment. The comment mm-hmm. is uh, you're one of the more underrated professionals out there in, in your industry, and, and I certainly appreciate what you do and, and how you conduct yourself. So, uh, I appreciate I, I, that, and thank you. Thank you, J.B. I appreciate that. No, uh, hey, thank you. We appreciate you. Uh, my question to you is, is really a simple one. Mm-hmm. We talked about uh, uh, PTI. We talked about First Tape. We talked about all these different uh, different sports shows out there. From From your perspective, what makes a great show? What are, what are three or four key points that you can think of that would make a great show? I, I think um, the host has to has to be able to to gauge both both sides of the equation. He has to be able to to as T talked about have that gut to say. You know, I know what I'm about to say doesn't make any sense, but I really think the so-and-sos are going to win this game because, and he has to have the 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 knowledge and the, the feel when he's talking to the players or talking to the coaches and has the guests on that to, to convey that this is just a relaxed atmosphere. This is just, we want to, we want to let the fans get to know you a little bit, to know when to, to know when to step back and shut up. And let the the athlete or the coach or that person that's the guest be himself. I think what we see a lot of, and and and, and I'll point to another example. 
And I used to try to really tell myself not to do this because it's so tempting. You know, it's halftime of the game. Here comes the coach. And, you, and, and you're going to do a question or two maximum with the coach. And the reporter spends 15 seconds going over the first half stats. Coach, you had two interceptions. You did this, you did that. What, the coach doesn't know what the team just did? But, but the reporter the reporter is sitting there worried about his or her credibility with the coach. And I would make myself ask one thing because it, it never changed. When I was a sideline reporter, coach, your assessment of what happened with your club in the first half. That's really all we're asking. It doesn't matter who has 30 points. It doesn't matter who, you know, it, your assessment. And if I get a second question in, it might be a little more specific. If somebody went down with an injury or something really key happened, but really I just want to know what he or she thinks about what happened in the first half, and that's basically all they're going to give you anyway, and then they run off to the locker room. But that's just the point of knowing when to, to lay back and be quiet and not be trying to be a star and be bigger than the story. Unfortunately, starting in probably the early to mid-'90s with SportsCenter and becoming more personality-driven and stuff, that kind of started the path of a lot of reporters being bigger, a lot of hosts being bigger. You guys know Jim Rome, you know. You know, he's bigger than the stuff he's covering. Now, somebody could go, well, Howard Cosell was too, but Howard was more a caricature. You know, but mm -hmm. Howard was excellent journalist, mm -hmm. whereas these guys are just, you get the feeling sometimes when you watch them that they're just trying to be bigger than the show. I mean, what host would call a six-foot-three quarterback Chris Everett instead of Jim Everett? You know, that guy must be trying to make a name for himself because he knows he's going to tick the player off and the player's going to push him over a table like, you know, Everett did. I'm talking about Jim Rome, if you guys remember that story. Yes. But, I think that's what a real uh, the the keys to a good talk show is a host who can who can balance is not trying to be the story bigger than what's going on and really encourages the fans to call in and voice opinions and maybe you know debate or do a couple of opposing viewpoints with fans and stuff until the guests come on and you don't hear that a lot anymore. It's a lot of guys and ladies being bigger than the sports they're talking about to make a name, to, to get that multi-million dollar payday. And, you know, I, I guess it's hard to resist if you're one of those going for it, but um, it, it, it's just annoying for us, more, the more pure sports fan, at least it is for me, which is, you know, I, I never thought I had that, to be honest. I, I never saw myself as the talk show host type not because I thought I would try to make myself bigger. I just thought sometimes I, I wasn't as versed in, in a lot of different things. I'm very passionate about what I love, like NFL football and the NBA and, you know, college basketball and this and that. But the other stuff, you know, if somebody calls and asks me who, they, who I think is going to win the Triple Crown, you know, I wouldn't know, you know, and some of these other sports going on today. So I kind of stayed away from the pursuit of the talk show circuit because it takes a special 
person to do that. And a lot of the people are majoring in being bigger than the stories that they're talking about. And you can almost find it everywhere. Every station you turn to that has sports talk, most of the time the host is trying to be bigger than the story they're talking about. And I think that's a big, big mistake. Good points. Good points. Mm -hmm. Eric, with your background in Chicago and your familiarity with the Bears, I have to ask this question. Mm -hmm. The last two years, Seattle defense has been a fairly dominant, a very dominant defense, and in some cases has drawn comparison to the aforementioned 85 Bears. So Mm -hmm. I ask you, with what you've seen from Seattle the last two years, do they deserve to be put in the same category as the 85 Bears? Wow. Wow, that's tough. I mean, for me to try to answer that question without prejudice is a very tough thing. (laughs) I'll tell you this. I believe their secondary is uh, uh, probably better than the Bears' secondary was back in those days. Um, uh, because a lot of the Bears guys back there couldn't stay healthy. Um, you know, they lost Leslie Frazier in a Super Bowl. He blew his knee out against the Patriots, and he was never the same player after that. He was going to be a Hall of Fame-type shutdown cornerback, but they lost him. Uh, Gary Fensick, arguably a Hall of Fame safety. Um, you know, some of the other guys they had were good, but just not, you know, solid day-in, day-out, dominant guys like you see the guys in the Seattle secondary. Front seven. Wow, it's hard for me to to find any front seven, um, save maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers in their day, maybe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they had those great defenses with the Selmans and uh, Batman Woods and those guys to say a front seven was any better than the Bears' front seven of those years. Singletary, Marshall, uh, Wilson, at linebacker. And the scheme that the Bears played, of course, at that time, had never really been seen before. Um, and, and, and you need athletes to play the 46 mm-hmm. to the degree that they played it. And because they won most of their man-to-man matchups, just by being better athletes, it was almost impossible to do anything. Real quick, James Lofton, Hall of Fame receiver, a former colleague of mine at uh, Fox Sports Net. We did college football games together. I was sideline reporter. He was the analyst. He talked about the Buffalo Bills coming in to play that Bears team. And he says, Eric, honest to God, I'm lined up wide. I'm not covered. Nobody's covering me. I think it's a mistake, but it's not. I'm waving my hand out there for Jim Kelly to give me the ball and score a touchdown. As soon as the ball was snapped, Kelly was on his back, and it fumbled. <laughs> and I realized that that was their plan. They didn't plan to cover me because they knew they were going to get <laughs> to the quarterback. So, um, I, I, you know, unfortunately, injuries cut down Otis Wilson and Wilbur Marshall a little bit early before they were able to amass Hall of Fame-worthy numbers. I believe if you compare Steve McMichael's numbers to many defensive tackles that are in the Hall of Fame, they're right there. Of course, Dan Hampton's in, and uh, Richard Dent is in. 
and Mike Singletary's in. But it's hard for me to say any front seven is in, is better or as good. I think they played very different. Uh, the Bears played more power in your face, whereas the Seahawks play aggressively, but they're so fast. They, they just get to the carrier so fast, and they're so athletic, and they're not as big as the Bears guys were because the game's changed in those, you know, 30 years or so, but or 20 years or so. And, and so it, it, it's hard, but they are – deserving of comparisons to some of the great defenses that have ever uh, been on the field. Uh, but for me, seeing that Bears defense, seeing the Steelers defense, um, you couldn't do anything. I mean, you couldn't run. And, and then and back in that day, of course, when you shut the run down, it made it almost impossible to pass because everybody knew you were passing. And today they passed to set up the run. So at times have changed a little bit. And and so, you know, some credence has to be given to Seattle because they play yeah. so well in these yeah. in this past oriented time. But um they're very good and they're gonna be quite a challenge uh for the Patriots to figure out. I I, I think Gronk and, and those guys, you know, attacking them down the seams seems to be something that works from time to time. So I think that'll be a part of their game plan and of course we know that they're one of the best coach teams going. So Belichick and the guys will design a game plan that they hope, you know, will get them some yards and the points they need. I think of the Bears, the only thing I think of as far as comparing them to the Seahawks today, I, I can't get that Monday Night Football Dan Marino game on my head when he just torched them. <laughs> and, I, and I think of Peyton Manning and what he couldn't do against the Seahawks. Yeah. And – I don't know. I mean, to me, they're more than worthy. They're the two Super Bowls back to back that they at least appeared in or won. We'll see on Sunday. Yeah, so that. that's a very good point. That's a very good point. I, I think that all of us back in that time thought that the Bears would appear in at least two or three more uh, Super Bowls. I think the major reason they did not was because, unfortunately, Jim McMahon kept getting hurt. Uh, you know, wasn't the most durable quarterback. Uh, you know, and certainly wasn't the biggest guy in the world or whatever, but they go through a wall for him, and when he got hurt, I think it really, they never were a great offense anyway, but it really, uh, teams were able to kind of focus more on Walter or, or make the Bears do some things that they weren't as comfortable doing, and so they, they fell short a few times of getting back to a Super Bowl, but that's a very good point you make about a team and, and about how they've rendered some pretty darn good quarterbacks um, pretty useless yeah. <laughs> like they did with Manning in that uh, Super Bowl last year. And um, like they may do against uh, Tom Brady uh, this time around, and we'll wait and see. But I certainly believe they they belong in the argument. And, and I, I think un unless they lose a lot of guys, I don't know what their uh, – free agent situation is like, how many of those guys may be uh, looking to go elsewhere. But it, it certainly seems like they could be a really, really solid unit, barring serious injury for, you know, two, three, four years to come because yeah, they're, they're relatively young. You know, so it, it's pretty scary to watch. I, I love to see them play because being a native Chicagoan, that's our tradition. If, if we didn't win the game, 
we beat you up and win the fight, you know, on defense. So <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, going way like, back. I feel, like, I feel like Dr. Yeah, Train is his, his football soulmate. Oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's all. That's all I want to see, man. The Bears go five and eleven next year, but win a few fights and bloody some noses. I'll be happy, you know, because man. the swag on defense comes back. I, you can't have a Chicago Bears football team and not play solid defense. It's just, it, it just can't happen. It's like having, you know, chili with no peppers, or you know, it, it, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Exactly. I was just going to say, I was just closing out the other topic real quick. You know, I think, Eric, you and I are probably the only ones on the, on the show now that are actually old enough to actually remember the 85 Bears season and not from <laughs> NFL films, but actually have watched it live. Um, and it, 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 I still feel like it's almost sacrilegious to compare, you know, they compare the 2000 Ravens. They compare the um, the Bucks that won the Super Bowl, their defense. They're comparing the Seahawks. And it's just having watched that season and remembered how dominant they were watching it, it's so mm-hmm. hard to even grasp the fact that there's any other team that you could say could be in that conversation. Um, but Yeah, it, it, it really is. They really, really were. It, it, was, it was really incredible to watch. I mean, to be a fan and sit there and watch and go like, wow, are they that much better than the guys across from them? I mean, this is a pretty good offense, and they've shut them down. And to the guys that aren't old enough, it brings me to another story. I remember 85, it's the NFC Championship, Bears against Eric Dickerson and the Rams, and they're just starting to go to the sideline for quick interviews with coaches or players before kickoff. And they go down to the late, legendary Buddy Ryan. And they go to Buddy. Buddy, what's going to be the key to this game? He says, well, number 29 over there, you know, great running back. But uh, he's going to lay it on the carpet for us a few times. (laughs) And uh, we're going to be able to take advantage of his turnovers and win the game. And I'm going, what? (laughs) And then they go immediately over to Dickerson. Somebody's got Dickerson on the other side. And Dickerson says, I will not be intimidated by the Chicago Bears, but he already was. <laughs> it was over. <laughs> and and so and he fumbled twice in that game. And if I remember right, the back to back shutouts in the first round in the championship. Yes. And then, yes. you know, went steamrolled. I was so happy that um that uh Tony Eason uh, started against them uh, a less mobile, less gutsy quarterback than Grogan was because uh, mm-hmm. I thought they would eat him for lunch, and they did. And by the mm-hmm. time we'd see the other quarterback, the game was already out of hand because I thought Grogan might have been able to use some savvy and make some plays and keep the Patriots uh, close for longer than Easton would. So, but that it was really an incredible defense. The Steelers, the Steel Curtain back in the day, those guys were solid everywhere, and they got Hall of Famers up and down the lineup. Um, you know, the Ravens were very good. Um, and, and Don't forget I guess, about Doomsday. Don't forget about yeah, Doomsday and the Cowboys. And, and, and my condolences to the loss of the legendary Jethro Pugh. I remember yes, sir. very well, 75, get him, you know. Um, there have been a lot of players. I hate to say anybody or any unit was the best. 
I've ever, because different eras call for different stuff. But I think that especially if Seattle goes ahead and wins the Super Bowl and the defense is dominant in, in its play again, then, you know, history says you'd have to put them in the argument and at least have some good barroom conversation over a beer or two about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, K-Star every once in a while actually makes a good point on the show. And, um, you know, the (laughs) fact that, you know, his point about them, you know, really anchoring that team again and getting them back to the Super Bowl. You know, the dominant performance they had against Peyton Manning last year and uh, if they were to do something like that against Tom Brady this year, you you, you got to kind of say, wow, they're in that conversation. They're in that discussion. It's that yeah. religious as it is to me. I have to concede, yeah, yeah, yeah you, you got to. You gotta yeah, I mean, I mean really, think, think about it. How, how many – can you count on one hand how many times you've seen Tom Brady really, like, dominated, like, frustrated? The last time I saw him really – being knocked around to the point where he was frustrated was, I think, the opening game this year. Miami sacked oh, him like yeah. seven times or something, and he yeah. was obviously rattled. No quarterback wants to be knocked around like that. And and I was like, wow, I, I, I can't remember the last time I've seen Tom Brady kind of looking a little flustered. And uh, I, I'm sure he's against Seattle. Kansas City, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that one. That one I missed. Yeah. That's why I remember I was yeah. I was unable well, to watch yeah. that game. But I understand that one was a, a yeah. Yeah. as well. But that was the wake up game because that's when they went on their tear. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That was that 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 woke them up. Um, yeah. So so Eric, my last question for you. Mm-hmm. This is really this is this is the question. But we've talked mm-hmm. a lot about both teams. Um, mm-hmm. You're live on the Madden Voice, and the show does get archived, so we can go back to the tape. Okay. <laughs> Who do you have winning the Super Bowl, and why? I I still subscribe to the old school theory that defense wins championships, and I, I as much of a defensive guru as Bill Belichick is. I think the best defense in the NFL today is wearing the green, the funny green uniforms. And I think when it, when push comes to shove, that defense will make more plays against Tom Brady and the Patriots' offense than, in the reverse, the Patriots' defense, as well-coached as it is, against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. So I like the Seahawks. Not in the same fashion necessarily as they beat Denver, but I like the I like the Seahawks winning this football game, twenty-four to seventeen, maybe twenty-four twenty. But the Patriots will will probably score late to make it closer. I, I just think the Seahawks defense is going to do a lot of frustrating uh, to the Patriots in this game, and, and they'll they'll come out victorious again. Interesting. Okay. Okay. All right. All right, now let me, right. let me hear what you guys think. Okay. Well, let's go. Let's go. That, that, that's fair. That's fair. Let's, um, let's give our Super Bowl prediction, guys. Let's, that, that's fair. Um, sorry. Let's start with you. Who do you have? And, 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 and we normally don't predict scores, but because it's the Super Bowl, 
let's go ahead and put a score next to our prediction. Who do you have and why, K-Star? Finished the regular season as the champion of this pick'em game here, uh, by the way. I actually like the Seahawks as well. I like the Seahawks as well. I'm rooting for the Patriots because I think the whole scandal is ridiculous, and I think the fact that – whatever, I don't care. Well, we'll talk about that later. Anyway, 21-20, I like Seattle. That defense to me is just – you already know what's going to happen. They're going to run the ball and play defense. And the one thing that sticks out in my mind um, as to why I think it's going to play out that way is the game actually the Patriots last played against the Jets. They struggled. And all the Jets did was run the ball all game, and they, they legitimately could not stop them. And, you know, the Patriots won the game, but that was against the Jets. This is the Seahawks. And I think that Russell Wilson's going to add another dimension uh, to try to – or that will also hurt them in the run game as well uh, for the Patriots to try and stop them. I just think that they're going to control the game flow as they often do. It's so rare when they don't take stumbles and stuff like that, you know, those fluke circumstances which happen in Green Bay, and I just don't see that happening. I like Seattle. All right. So K Star has the Seahawks twenty one to twenty over the Patriots. All right. J B, who do you have winning the Super Bowl and why? Uh I'm actually gonna go with the Patriots on this one, although my gut tells me to uh to not do that and go with the Seahawks, but I'm going with the Patriots because one in this day and age it's so difficult to be a, a repeat champion. Uh the last time we saw that was the Patriots about a decade ago. Also, the, the the Seahawks are big, they are fast, but I just feel as though between Brady and Belichick, they'll find a way to use it to their own advantage and, and be able to pull up some some trickery up the sleeve, if you will, like they've done in the, the past. And um, the other thing that makes me think about the Patriots pulling this out is outside of Brady, there's really no one player, Brady and, and Gronk, there's really no one player that can be dominant. It seems like there's always someone that pops up, be it Amendola, be it uh, that one game Jonas Gray popped up and was a star. Uh, Edelman, the, the dude, the, he, he can do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It just seems like every day someone's number gets called and they step up. And I think that's what's going to be the case today. It's going to be someone that we don't expect to step up. So I'm going to take the, the Patriots 20-17. to 17. All right. All right, so JB has the Patriots over the Seahawks, twenty to seventeen. Doctor Train. Hmm. Um, not the guru, my man Eric. My defense wins championship. Um, but now, not guru, you're K Star. Yes, yes, K Star. Of course, you. <laughs> but but Eric's from Chicago, so. Uh, <laughs> I told you, he's done found his football <laughs> and his sports soulmate. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's rare I get another person on here that actually likes the Bears. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I like, simply put, I like Seattle as a team. They are a never-quit team, and as smart as the the, the the Patriots are with, with the with the combination of Brady and and Belichick. You've seen how they how they turned it on in the season. You've seen how they turned it on late. Um, I love the fight in Seattle, and they're a smart team as well. They're a smart. They're they, they're they're actually a smart defense. And like I said, they are fast. They really are fast. They get to the ball before you can make your next move. 
and they're and they're waiting for you to make that make that mistake. Patriots de- defense goes, uh, it's good, uh, but you know Russell Wilson. Mind you, the this, the the Patriots game was an anomaly of him taking care of the ball. You know, I went back and looked at that brother's stats for the season. Uh, for this past season, he only had seven interceptions and has thrown for the most yards he's ever thrown for in his career thus far. Now, he did have 11 fumbles, but he didn't lose any of them. So he tends to take care of the ball pretty well. And somehow, somehow, with a receiving core who we barely know anyone on, he makes plays, uh, along with our main man, Beast Mode. You know, he, he just doesn't yeah. want to get fined, so he, he plays the game. <laughs> uh, but with that said, I'm going to take Seattle uh, 25-22. 25-22? Okay. Yeah, because Seattle scores on stock. I mean, the points that they score, it won't be something that you can just easily add up at 3-7. It's going to be <laughs> strange. Okay, that's how they roll. So 25-22. Yeah. Okay. I like that. <laughs> well, you know, this one is hard for me because I can't pick who I want to pick because some years ago, Bob Kraft came to Connecticut and mm-hmm. talked about moving the Patriots to Hartford. Mm-hmm. And I was working for a nonprofit organization at the time, and he came and visited us because we had a factory. And our factory was bidding for the contract to build the lockers that would go in the stadium. So he came mm-hmm. to tour our facility. And so the day he came, I wore a suit, which was not a problem. I wore a red, white, and blue tie. And someone had given me a Patriots scarf as a secret Santa gift because they knew I was a football fan. They didn't know what team. They assumed it was the Patriots. So I had this scarf I never wore. But that one day I wore the Patriots scarf. He comes in. I shake his hand. And he goes, oh, I see you're wearing our colors. That's great. And I looked at him and said, yeah, I'm a big fan. I'm not a fan of the Patriots. Everybody knows I'm a Cowboy fan. Dennis caught the ball. But for that one day, I lied for the betterment of the company I work for to try to get that contract, try to play up to them. And, of course, we all know what happened. It was a big game. He never came to Connecticut. never had any intentions to come into Connecticut. It was really something to get Massachusetts off their butt to give them, uh, you know, the stadium that he wanted. Exactly. And so we were played. We were played for fools, right? Um, and so it's very hard for me to pick the Patriots in anything because I can't stand them. Can't stand them. <laughs> I want to pick the Seahawks because I can't stand the Patriots. But I got to pick the Patriots. <laughs> I I just can't see. And and, and let me me tell you, I made all these talking points that we were going to talk about tonight, and then I just threw everything out the window because I was so excited to have Eric on the show. But I made these were notes that I made about the game. Pat Mm -hmm. O versus Seahawks D, who has the advantage? Revis or Sherman, who's better? Brady's legacy, win or lose, right? Brady's six Super Bowls now, but he's three and two. If Brady loses, he goes to three and three. It's hard to, you know. This is a guy who wants to be considered the best ever. 
you know, like like in my mind, it's Joe Montana, and he's trying to eclipse a Montana. It, it can't happen at three and three, in my opinion. Even with six starts, even with six Super Bowls, you're still only three and three. That's a problem, right? You've got mm-hmm. Pete Carroll, and and he's motivated to go and play the team that fired him. But you don't think that Bill Belichick wants to beat the guy that was his predecessor? You don't think that Bob Kraft isn't sitting up saying, we got to beat this guy? So there's motivations on both sides. And then, of course, the Patriots' legacy here. You know, are they really the modern-day 21st century dynasty? They haven't won a Super Bowl in 10 years. They've lost the last two against the Giants. And what is it that the Giants brought to those games? It wasn't that Eli Manning played like Peyton. Eli Manning was good, but it was their defense. Right. They beat Brady with good, solid defense. Stopped the run, rushed Brady, made him uncomfortable all day. What do you think Seattle's going to try to do? Stop the run, rush Brady, make him comfortable all day. I can't see the Patriots losing a third Super Bowl in a row with the same formula that they lost the first two. I just don't see it. I think, and, and, this whole deflate gate thing, Somewhere, somebody's pissed off in New England. They're just a little upset that people are trying to take away their very valid victory. They're crushing victory over the Colts and almost, you know, the petition, let's replay the game, and Belichick <laughs> and the, 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 the Cheatriots and, and all of these sweat. They're not happy with all of that. Why do you think Bob Kraft today said, or yesterday, yesterday or today, said, I demand an apology? If, in fact, the NFL finds that we are not culpable, I demand an apology. I've never heard that before. Mm-hmm. So I've never heard an owner or a GM or even a head coach come out and say, I expect an apology. That shows how much this has rattled this organization. But I don't think it's going to affect their preparation. I think it's going to make them more determined. Not that Seattle did anything wrong. Seattle, just, they, they didn't do anything wrong. But I think they're going to go in now and they're going to prove to everybody, no, 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 we are worthy of being here. And watch, we're going to take this team who has the best defense in the NFL, who has maybe arguably one of the best defenses ever, who shut down uh, Peyton Manning uh, a year ago, crushed him, annihilated him. We're going to go in and win this game. So I'm going against the grain because I've never picked the Patriots, but I have to pick the Patriots. And my score is 31-21. Okay. 31-21. Patriots. And they are one-point favorites. I can't even call it an upset right now. They're up by, they have a one-point uh, one point change over this month. So that's my score. So just to recap, everybody, everybody out there listening, we've got mm-hmm. Eric, who has, you know, you said 24-17, and he said 24-20. So I, I don't know yeah. which one you want to, you know. 2420. 2420. 2420. Yeah. All right, good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. You know, we don't waffle here on the Mad Voice. We go right there. <laughs> We've got K-Star at 21 to 20 Seahawks. We've got JB at 20 to 17 Patriots. We've got Dr. Train 25-22 Seahawks. He, he's expecting a safety or some sort of funky score. And then uh, the only one who has anything over 30, Commissioner T., 31 to 21 Patriots. Those are our official Super Bowl predictions. 
Gotta love it. Gotta love it. All right. Um, Very cool. Guys, any last questions for Eric? I, I do have one that I've been itching to ask, man. Okay. Um, back on our beloved Bears, and and you had to know this one. This one was coming. Uh-huh. Um, we've had this guy quarterback for one, two, three, four, five years now. <laughs> <laughs> My synopsis of last season is that Jay Cutler took the money and mm-hmm. forgot how to play ball. Because mm-hmm. uh, I watched him before he had his contract. And I'm not saying he was great. I'm not saying he was good. But he it looked like he never quit on a play. No yeah. matter how bad the situation, no matter how bad the turnovers were, no matter how many interceptions he threw in any given game, it looked like he never quit on a play. Right. I didn't see that last year. He got that contract, and I saw this guy – throw so many passes out of bounds, I could have sworn they extended to the field. <laughs> like, who, who's over there? There's no one yeah. over there. It, it, I didn't see the same guy that was trying to force it. I'd rather see you try to, than to quit. So, yeah. with that said, do you think Fox and his staff can fix this dude? Because clearly we're going to have him for at least one more season. Because it's not yeah. like we can find his replacement immediately. There's no way. Yeah. We don't have him I think they really are. I think they're going to try. And no, I think... I'm going to interrupt. I'm going to interrupt. Hold that thought, Eric, because there's another guy who's got a position on this player. I wants to jump in real quick. Hold on. Hold on, Eric. Okay. Hold on. All right. No, no, you, you don't want me to go much further. Go right ahead. Ask your question. Vernon, Vernon just uh, it was something that I told everybody at the very beginning of the week. I will not tolerate... Um, players that think it's about them when it's about the team. And um, we, cannot make, we cannot make decisions that cost the team and then come off the sideline and it's nonchalant. No. You know what? I, I, this is how I believe, okay? I'm from the old school. I believe this. I would rather play with ten people and just get penalized all the way until we got to do something else, rather than play with 11 when I know that right now that person is not sold out to be a part of this team. It is more about them than it is about the team. I cannot play with them, cannot win with them, cannot coach with them, can't do it. I want winners. I want people that want to win. I'm sorry, you're a former linebacker, Mike Singletary, and his thoughts on Jay Cutler. I just had to throw that in there. Go ahead, I just had to throw that in there. You know, um, listen, uh, fans, you know, there's a reason it's short for fanatic, and, and we love unconditionally, and we, we want, you know, but I'm too old to be a fanatic now. You have to look. And quarterbacks, who are most successful have a couple of intangibles. The one intangible is there's no doubt that the team around him will go through a wall for that quarterback. They will do anything for that quarterback. I just don't see Jake Cutler as the kind of guy who will inspire the other guys to go through a wall for. And that always bothered me about him. 
I mean, guy has the arm. He has pretty good legs. He has, and you're right, there were times that he looked like he'd just given up. And that's a problem when you get all that money. Some people, they don't play harder. There's a natural inclination to relax. And unfortunately, I think they're stuck with them, and I think the way they're going to work with them is kind of take the ball out of his hands, kind of go back to more ground, you know, ground and pound football, maybe him throwing, you know, 20 passes in a game at maximum or throwing the safe passes to his running backs and stuff and try not to put the pressure on his shoulders unless he does an about face, which very few players do at age 31 or whatever, 32, uh, in terms of his approach to the game. He, he just There's just something missing from the guy um, that seems to always have been missing. There's just something not there. I mean, Philip Rivers has it. I mean, Brady, you know, has extra of it. Russell Wilson has it. Aaron Rodgers has it. Matthew Stafford even has it, and he throws some dumb passes. But it still, yeah, exactly. seems, like, it still seems like the guys would go through a wall for him. And it just doesn't seem that way with Jay. Now, I'm not on the Bears sideline, and I don't know any of those guys anymore, but he just doesn't seem like that kind of guy that has those quarterback intangibles that the ones who win the ultimate prize have. I hope I'm wrong, but I think the Bears are stuck, and the way they're going to work with him is to try to kind of take the pressure off of him and devise an offense that can control the clock, ground game, short passing game, West Coast offense type thing, and try to win games that way. And, of course, a dramatically improved defense. Right. Exactly. Okay. All right, sounds like what Todd Haley tried to do over in uh, Pittsburgh with Big Ben. We saw how we saw how well that worked. But although Big Ben, you know, <laughs> oh, the offense looks good now. Well, yeah. now I, I think I think I think. Uh, but the, the difference is, I think Haley realized who he had. He didn't have a Jay Cutler. He had a capable quarterback, and uh, right. right, he 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 lessened up the range a little bit. Yeah, Big Ben be Big Ben, and uh, that I agree once with that happened, you, you guys became a contender again. Um, yep. um, you know, just just on this topic of Jay Cutler, I've been very clear. Uh, Train and I argued years ago when uh, Cutler had that injury and sat on the sideline riding his bike and wouldn't play. And um, I remember, um, uh, not Drew Brees, the other San Diego quarterback, um, Philip Rivers, with his yeah. uh, torn torn ACL, uh, mm-hmm. playing in a conference championship game, knee wrapped up, you know, very immobile, but he played because he wanted mm. to win, and I, and I made that comparison. And, you know, at that time, Train took exception to it and said, well, you know, two different players, two different situations, you know, uh, you, you don't know. And, and I didn't know. But, you right. know, now, years later, you look back on it, and you just, you just feel like – and you're right. We're on the side – you know, we're sitting home on our couches watching or sitting in the sports bar, so we don't know. But you just get the feeling that something isn't quite there with this guy. Whether it's whether it's passion, whether it's I, I just you can't really put your finger on it, but Brandon Marshall certainly called him out more than once this year. Um, right. You know, and 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 you love or hate Brandon Marshall, he 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 seems to be credible. 
You know, he seems to be credible with what he's saying. So I, I don't have the optimism, <laughs> but you guys have to because you can't afford to cut him. You can't afford to release right. him. Yeah, you, you, right. you know, no one's going to take him. You know, you're not going to get enough to trade him. Um, no one's going to want that contract. So he, right. he you know, you, you're kind of stuck with him for at least one more year. So um, yeah, that was a terrible, um, a terribly calculated risk that the former GM took to, to say instead of franchising him or whatever, we're gonna make him this ridiculous offer as the highest paid player in the NFL. Uh, and and uh, instead of franchising him and maybe, <clears throat> you know, uh, making a better offer to Josh McCown, who, who didn't do very well either at Tampa Bay this year. But it, I I questioned it when they did, and I'm like, well, what has he done? What Where's his pedigree? What has he done to show you that he should be the highest paid guy in the NFL? And, you know, they haven't. They haven't done anything. He hasn't done anything. And, you know, I thought, well, the fan in me thought, oh, well, maybe they've seen him. Maybe he's turned a corner. Maybe now the leadership skills and the things are there, and we'll see a different Jay Cutler. And and as uh, Dr. Train pointed out, uh, no. <laughs> we saw a regression uh, of passion, a regression of a guy who just didn't seem to care as much anymore, and that is just an awful, awful. Remember this. This guy is benched, you know, with two weeks to go in the season, or uh, I'm sorry, a week to go in the season. Mm. And what does that say? I mean, it's one week left. What does that say? What What, what was the point? And I think that they must have thought that he had quit as well. Because if somebody dared try to bench me, I'd be cussing and MFing everybody and going, no, you won't bench me. You're going to cut me first. I'm going to go out here and earn my money. You gave me this money to lead this damn team, and I'm going to go out and lead it. And not only that, we're going to win today, and we're going to be a winning team and knocking at the door of the playoffs next year. That's who I am. But he just seemed to kind of go, well, you know, I'd like to play, but it's their decision you know, I mean, you know, Tony Romo, you know, Rodgers, you know, people would have said, get the heck out of Dodge. No way I'm doing that. And so that that intangible just seems to be missing. By the way, he and Philip Rivers are mortal enemies. They can't stand each other. You know, Philip Rivers, when they were in the same division, they, they've almost gotten in fights on several occasions because I think Philip Rivers sees that lack of um, – Having that intangible in Cutler as well, and can't stand him. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes, man. I think the Bears are stuck, though. I don't think they're going to be able to do anything until after 2015. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Last question. I promise, and then we're all going to get out of here. So we've right. been covering sports for at least 30 years, and yep. you've you've seen a lot. Give us because you've told me different stories from time to time mm-hmm. and when, when I run into you out and about. Right. One of your most, what is your most, you know, if you were to retire tomorrow from this, let's, let's just say tomorrow's Wednesday and you go and you mm-hmm. play Powerball, Powerball somewhere around $240 million. I know this because I'm going to go play. So let's just say <laughs> you go and, and you hit Powerball and you're like, that's it, I'm done. 
you know, I'm going to enjoy my family, and I'm done with the sports, and I'm done with the singing, and I'm just going to spend my money and travel, and I'm done, right? And so you've had this great career. Share with us your most memorable moment, having done this for over 30 years. Mm. I would say right away my most memorable moment was um, going over to Japan and um, seeing the events unfold um, that would lead to Mike Tyson's uh, first career loss, the tremendous upset at the hands of James Buster Douglas uh, in Tokyo. And um, I remember um, seeing Mike and speaking to Mike, who was, you know, very surly. Uh, For whatever reason, he never warmed up to me. I, I don't know why. Maybe maybe I wasn't a representation he thought I should be. I, I, I have no idea. But Mike was as flabby as me. Uh, he was not interested. And at that time, he surrounded himself with a bunch of yes people. And you guys know there are people who love you. And you know that they love you because they'll pull you aside and tell you when you're full of you know what. They'll tell you when you're wrong. And I remember asking one of his entourage, you love Mike, right? And he said, absolutely. And I looked him in the eye and I said, well, do you tell him when he's wrong? And you would have thought the guy saw a ghost. So I knew instantly the answer was no. So Mike Tyson wasn't training. Nobody could tell him to train. Meanwhile, Buster Douglas was rippling with muscles. Yeah, he had a bit of a glass jaw. But he did something that I believe every every one of you can relate to. He made a promise to his dying mother that he was going to fight the fight of his life. And you and I both know, don't play with a guy's mother. If a guy says something, Mom, that's serious. You need to take that seriously. The only thing I regret is I wasn't a gambling man. (laughs) Because I had the money to do it. I'd have just thrown a grand on it just for the heck of it. <laughs> you know, if I win, I got a lot of money. And if I lose, okay, it's a grand that's going to hurt for a few months. But I played a hunch. Now, don't get me wrong. I certainly did not believe that Mike Tyson would lose the fight. But I knew that James Buster Douglas, is 6'4", 235 pounds, was big enough to to match up well against Mike and keep Mike at bay so Mike wouldn't be able to get up inside of him to land one of those haymakers and knock him out. As it turns out, he lands one early in the fight, Buster goes down, but instead of staying down, he's pounding the ring, angry at himself, putting him in the position to be knocked down. Now, I remember looking at the late Nick Charles of CNN going, whoa, this is going to be interesting. And I remember looking at him again when he beat the living crap out of Mike Tyson to end the fight going, wow. We this is history, and it was a fight that really network television paid very little attention to because they thought it was just going to be another Tyson steamroll. And those guys, his entourage, everybody around him thought it was going to be the same thing. And, you know, it just goes to show you in sports, you can't take anything for granted. They did and paid the ultimate price, and I just think that's the most memorable uh, event 
that that I remember covering in my career because of the magnitude of it. If anybody didn't know who Eric Clemens was before that day, they certainly knew who I was after that day because I was the one running around grabbing all these interviews and talking to Evander Holyfield about what was going to be next now <laughs> since he wasn't going to fight Mike anymore at, at that point. He was going to now be probably uh, Buster Douglas, and we all know what happened with that one. So I'd have to say that was number one. Mm. Wow, that's that's deep because, again, you know, for for anyone listening and for my co-hosts, um, you know, I re- I remember being you know being a huge Mike Tyson fan, um, and and Tyson and I are about the same age. Um, mm-hmm. I, think, I think he might be eleven months older, or I'm eleven months older, but we're very close to age. Both our birthdays are in June, and um, I'm a huge fan of his, you know. And I remember watching the fight, and I remember, you know, it, it just looked different right from the get go. Right. But I remember every round I kept saying, oh, Tyson, you know, you know, he, he's coming. You know, because I didn't have any of – I didn't know what you knew, Eric, right? I'm just right. sitting there watching the fight, and I'm just waiting for Mike to do what Mike always did. And it got to the point where this dude is sticking and moving, looking like Larry Holmes. Right. And, and beating the hell. Mike's eyes get swelled up, and, you know, yep. I mean, he's just he, – he, he's putting a hurt on him, and – and when I knew Mike was in trouble, Mike, Mike, it was no head movement, no none of the stuff that Mike did. He was doing. Right. He was just swinging, looking for bombs. Right. And he did catch him that one. I believe it was an uppercut that he caught him. Yeah. And, and he went down. The homeboy did exactly what you said. He popped like, damn, like I can't believe I got right. him. and got up. And then, you know, you know, you don't get up when Mike Tyson hits you. No, not generally. Grab your pillow. <laughs> you know, grab your pillow. Grab your blanket. You know, get comfortable, right. and you're all Right. So I remember. Was, I remember on the air once uh, saying on the air in one of my reports that uh, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but I said Buster Douglas has the size and the reach to pose a problem for Mike Tyson trying to get inside on him close enough to land one of those fight-ending punches early which we all know Mike's going to try to do. And I got a call from the boss, and he said, what are you doing? You're not, I'm like, no, no, I'm here. Mike's not in shape. Buster Douglas is. Buster Douglas is a big dude. If he fights the fight, they're talking about planning the fight. Uh, Buster also used many former Tyson sparring partners, and every one of them told him that the Tyson of that period was very susceptible to an uppercut, a right uppercut from an inside position. Mike wasn't moving the head and, and, and being a difficult target to hit anymore. He started to believe all the hype about how invincible he was, and so he just stood there, as you pointed out. And sure enough, the barrage got started with a nice uppercut, which stunned him, and the rest is history. And it, it started to, to end the mystique uh, as it turns out, when we when we closed the book on a, a great career of Mike Tyson, at the end it it just looked like he was a very talented bully, and yeah. once people stood up to the bully, there was no mystique left, and that's what ended up happening. And it's unfortunate because I really thought for a minute 
we'd be looking at him possibly finishing finishing his entire career unbeaten. You know, there were times he just looked like, wow. But it all began to go downhill when he started to believe all the hype and surround himself with people who were just being paid to say yes rather than train him to be, uh, continue his training to be the great fighter that he once was. Well, you know, and, 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 you know, and that really was, he was never the same after that. You know, he did get never some more wins. He did win the title again, you know, against, uh, I think it was Botha. He may be yeah. for the title. Um, but, you know, if, if, if memory serves me well, you know, he transitioned into Don King's camp and went downhill. Customato passed away. Jim Jacobs passed yeah. away. You know, these were guys that had protected him from yeah. all of the circus of boxing. And right. He he had the defense. He had the head movement. He you know, and he had the power. He had all of the tools to do what he thought. Out he with might even hand. Yeah, yeah, he, he had it. Yeah, he could knock you out with even hand. He was absolutely a, a stunning talent, and um, you know, it, it 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 was you know sad to see, but he he was a very intimidating presence, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that. You know, he didn't scare me a little bit when I was around him because he's a scary guy. I mean, yeah. he really was. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I, I understood fully the many guys across the ring from him who were very intimidated by just the sight of him. And uh, he was that kind of guy. But Buster Douglas, that day, I mean, Buster Douglas was never the same after that. That yeah. day, <laughs> taking home... You know, that payday and then a $44 million payday where his next fight, where he's looking at his gloves counting his money against Holyfield, you know, yeah. he was yeah. the same. But for, the, for that one day, he was the best fighter he ever would be on that one day. He made a promise to mom. He was in optimum shape. He, he was all rippling and he was... He came in mad, and they had a game plan for once. Somebody had a plan as to how they were going to beat Mike Tyson, and it happened to work out, and I thought it was one of the most um, amazing stories that uh, I was very fortunate to be on hand to cover. Only reason I got to cover it was because Charlie Steiner of ESPN didn't want to go, so I was next in line. So they sent me wow. <laughs> and the rest of the history. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's a great story. I was expecting a Michael Jordan story, to be honest with you. All right, that one caught me off guard. Okay, that would have been I, number I really two. Was. That would have been number two, but Tyson was number one because of the unbelievable impact of it. Um, and, and it was it's number one, and with Jordan a close second. <laughs> All right, guys, last call for questions, and then we're going to get out of here. Anybody have any final questions? Eric has been so generous with his time tonight, and we appreciate it. Guys, any last questions before we uh, wrap up the show? No. Silence means no. I guess the silence means no. All right. All right. Eric, I want to I wanna thank you for, first and foremost, for finally finding some time for us to join us. It's a, it is really an honor for us to have you and your, your breadth of knowledge of sports and journalism and reporting is just so refreshing I think my brother said it the best, man. I mean, you know, when we sit and watch all these shows, 
and you're not on any of these shows, and someone's missing the boat. <laughs> Someone out there is, you know, missing the boat. You you should be front and center on some of these widely watched shows uh, as opposed to some of these nuts that they're hiring right now. Someone's really not the boat because you're just really good at what you do. Thank you, man. Well, it, it is an honor and a, a privilege. And, uh, um, T, uh, I'll tell you this, too. I I still know uh, some guys that are on this side, and I'd be glad to forward contact information of dear friends of mine like James Brown and James Lofton and other people who could be guests on your show in the future. And I'm, they're great guys and wonderful people and could give you every bit as much insight. And so if there's anything I can do to help uh, get you some more interesting guests than me on, you know where to reach me. And call me, it's, it's been an honor and, and a pleasure to be on the air with you guys. I really appreciate it. Well, I will definitely take you up on that because I appreciate, I, you know, I appreciate that. So I'll definitely take you up on that. And uh, once again, I, I thank you so much. And uh, I, I will definitely be seeing you soon, sir. All right, guys. Enjoy the Super Bowl. And um, I guess, you know, we may be talking uh, come next September or so, you know, as we get ready for another football season, the 2015 season. It's been a pleasure, guys. Sounds great. Thank you. Yeah, buddy, don't be a stranger. I sure won't. That's right. Okay, now. All right. All right. Take care. Bye-bye now. All right, you too. Bye-bye. All right. That was Eric Clemens, former ESPN anchor. Um, We really didn't have a etched in stone format. I didn't know how much time that he was going to give us, and I'm I'm speechless that fact that he actually gave us uh, over two hours of his time to to be on the Magic Voice with us is, is phenomenal. Um, you know, uh, start with you, K Star. What are your thoughts on uh, Eric and and his breadth of knowledge? What, what did you take away from listening to Eric? Uh, I thought he was great interviewing. Definitely a guy who was very savvy, and very made some obvious, very good observations. Even with the Mike Tyson story, you can kind of see. Uh, you know certain things in which he's very, uh, very good at analyzing and, and breaking up sports in, in his life setting. And uh, yeah, he was very you know breath of fresh air and knowledge. And uh, it was great. It was terrific. We need to get him back on some ESPN stuff. Mm. JP, the the one word that comes to mind is polished. I mean, dude is polished, and uh, to have him on was great. That's why I. I I prefer to sit back and listen and soak it in. And, and sometimes I want to speak, but then I find myself just hitting the mute button just to listen because uh, it, was, it was that good. And uh, like I said, all I can say is dude is polished, and I'm really looking forward to having him back on the show again. That was great. Dr. Train, you, you, you found your football soulmate. <laughs> First off, my man's embarrassing, so he already gets, he already gets thumbs up. But... um. Man, he just had, you know, for me personally, when someone that has history talks and it talks about something that I'm interested in, you have no choice but to listen and appreciate it because it's definitely an opportunity to learn something and just to listen to him talk about, you know, I have a cousin who watched the 85 Bears and he talked about the 85 Bears. And, you know, to listen to him listen to him talk about the 85 Bears, I, I got another perspective. Some of the same things were said, but it was just, it was just great to get another perspective and another perspective of the team and someone who's had the history of the team to see how they were back then to how they are now. 
and uh, his attention to detail when he when he spoke about the Mike Tyson event. That was um, it, it actually got me. I'm, I'm literally went to YouTube just so I can see the knockout because I remember the fight, <laughs> but I don't remember it like that. So I just looked it up on YouTube just to see, and absolutely everything that he pointed out was there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, just just wow. So yeah, absolutely. That was that was a pleasure. I, I greatly appreciate you inviting your friend onto the show. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, I'm 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 proud to say that he is my friend. Um and you know the good news about Eric is what you heard and how he was on the show is how he is in real life. Like that's who he is. Yeah. And I mean like when I asked him his prediction. What did he do? He turned around and said, okay, now what are you guys' prediction? He never wants to come off as he's better than anybody or above anybody. He's just more part of the team. He's part of the group. Um, and he's just he's, he's, he's just a good person, you know. And we've talked about coming on the Madden Voice for such a long time, and it's just been, it's just, it's just been scheduling. It's really, you know, it hasn't been a lack of desire. And then when I realized we had the big Super Bowl show coming up, um, I caught up with him and I said, Super Bowl show, and he goes, I'm there. Put it in my calendar, I'm there. And, and, and it's just exciting. Um, and, and you know, for me to sit and listen as much as I did, I was learning stuff too. You know what I mean? Like for me, who considers myself a sports aficionado, particularly in the areas of football, maybe a little bit lesser degree basketball, but definitely football, um, I, I learned a lot too. I was really enjoying hearing him talk about the reporters and, 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 you know, how they do what they do and, and, and then really him being honest and saying that it's shows like ours that should really get more of the hype and not some of the shows that are on, um, on, on ESPN and NFL network and such now. And so I really appreciated that. And, um, we will definitely get him back again in the future. Um, and I'm going to take him up on his offer um, seems to have some very heavy contacts in the field. And um, yeah, he has offered this before. But you know how it is when someone offers something, you don't want to, you know, you, you, know you, you say, okay, and you don't want to push it. Um, I'm going to push it now. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and push it now. <laughs> you know, um, and, and I, think, I think JB really said it perfectly um, when, he, when he asked this question and gave him the compliment and then just said polished. You know, I think for all of us that do this, the four of us, and anyone else out there on Blog Talk Radio, I know that there are other sports shows that listen to us, and I also check them out. Um, it gives you something to strive for. You know, I want to be that polished. As, as, as good as we think we are, then you hear a guy who's done it, and you realize, wow, there's more work I can do. You know, there's more preparation I can do. I can become um, better at this. And, and here's a guy who came on, with really no, you know, we always have an agenda, right? We always have, like, a plan as to how we're going to do our show. Well, this guy came on with nothing, but I'll see you at 8 o'clock. And you would think he had a script. He was so smooth, you know, well-thought-out answers and details. And, you know, it just, it, just, it just shows how good he is at what he does. And, and the last thing I'm going to say on this is, and I met this, I know from time to time, you know, People out there, uh, influential people, check this show out. I know this. Y'all need y'all y'all need to go bring this boy back. He needs to be front and center on one of these networks, um, not freelancing, not part time, 
you know, not 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 filling in. Y'all y'all missing the boat here with this guy. This guy is phenomenal. He has a way to relate to the everyday person that you don't see often in this field. Calm, cool, and connected. Not collected, connected. And and I gotta tell you, that's missing. That's sorely missing. So somebody out there needs to go ahead and bring him back. I feel like starting like, like a petition or campaign. Bring him back. Bring Eric back. One of these networks needs to grab him. He's just incredible. He really is. Um, all right. So we already did our picks. And um, any last things that any of you guys want to talk about, Dr. Train, anything that we missed that you wanted to discuss? Um, actually, man, no, not, not that I, I can't think of anything to talk about. Yeah, I would just say my last my last few comments, the last word I'll use to describe describe your boy man is uh is a very humble brother. I can I can just tell from the way he talks. He's he's seen a lot. I can appreciate that. Yes. Yes, I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh K Star, anything you want to discuss or any last words? Not really. Uh, just looking forward to this awesome matchup between two NFL Titans the last few years and seeing how it plays out. Like I said, I'm rooting for New England. Um, expect Seattle to win, but I can't wait to see the game. Okay. Uh, JB, uh, anything that you wanted to discuss or any last words? Uh, nothing else that I'd like to discuss. Uh, I think I really said it all. Just looking forward to the Super Bowl. And, um, Sad that this is the final game of the entire season, but hopefully this will be uh, that old saying, saving the best for last. So I'm looking forward to Super Bowl Sunday. All right. All right. Well, that's great, guys. Well, um, I'm going to go ahead and mute you guys and then just uh, kind of, um, oh, uh, uh, maybe not. <laughs> you know, technology is um, is um, is very interesting when it doesn't work the way you want it to work. Okay, here we go. So, um, first of all, let me let me thank my co-host um, JB, um, Doctor Train, and K Star. And um, you know, next week will be um, will be the last show of the season. Being as how the you know we def- you know every year I try to struggle with where where do we end our season, and we we fluctuated from year to year as to kind of when we end our season. So I think it's I think it's fair that after the Super Bowl we do a Super Bowl wrap up. And then that's the end of the season. And then we'll start to look at an off season schedule. I'll reconnect with my co host to see um who's coming back for next year and um you, you know, you never know. K Star's a dad, you know, maybe maybe, you know, his future maybe he doesn't have time to keep doing the mad voice. I'm speaking just just T talking. I don't know, we haven't talked, but we'll ask him. Um, Dr. Train, we'll see. A couple years ago, Dr. Train was uncertain whether he wanted to continue. Um, I have a feeling now that he'll be back, but I could be wrong. Um, JD just finishing his first full year with us. So, um, you know, we'll see where this fits. So I will confirm with these guys, and I'll do that on the air. I know all of them bring something to the Madden voice that you guys like. So if, if for some reason someone's not coming back, then you guys get to hear them say, no, um, you know, this is going to be it for me and blah, 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 blah. So we'll do that um, maybe next week, maybe the week after. But we're going to be wrapping up the week-to-week shows, and then we'll go into an off-season schedule of maybe one show a month to just see what's going on. 
or a show um, on demand, meaning if you find out that Peyton Manning is retiring, maybe we come and do a special show. If we find out, you know, um, I don't know, something major is going on in the NFL, we'll do a special show. Um, other than that, we'll, we'll probably do maybe one show a month, catch up on all the NFL news uh, right up until the draft. And when the draft comes, we'll do a pre-draft and a post-draft show. So the schedule will start to sparse out just a little bit simply because there won't be as much football to talk about. Um, so that's kind of how we'll work it. Uh, I will talk to Eric about getting other guests on the show. And if for some reason we're able to get some of these guys, well, we'll come back on and do big shows for, for them. So that's what you have to look forward to with the Madden Voice. Um, I can tell you, I, I spent this entire year soul-searching after losing my, my father. Um, and I said, you know, after this season, do I really want to continue to do this? And uh, there was a point during the season that I was done that I just didn't feel like doing the Madden voice anymore. And I don't know if it was just because of what went on inside of me, and I know my brother feels the same way and just feeling confused and lost without dad being here, you know, and, and thought that maybe um, maybe I needed to kind of let it go, let the Madden voice go once and for all and move on. Um, but that's not the case. Um, no matter what the three co-hosts of mine do, whether they stay, whether they um, don't stay, I will be back hosting the Madden Voice next year. So the Madden Voice isn't going anywhere. Uh, we will redo our website, and we will try to make the show bigger and better. And for no other reason, I was vindicated tonight by some of the things that Eric said about this show and about shows like ours that aren't influenced by broadcasters or um, you know, uh, pundits or advertisers. We can produce and give you guys a clean show without worrying about, you know, who cares what we think. And he liked that idea and, and thought that these would be the shows of the future. So, you know what? We're not going anywhere. The Madden voice isn't going anywhere. Commissioner T isn't going anywhere. And with any luck, maybe we can keep Dr. Train, K-Star, and JB as well. Maybe the awesome Fawesome will be back doing the Madden voice next year. But time will tell. So that said, the Super Bowl is coming up. Everybody enjoy it. Get your Super Bowl parties together. Uh, enjoy your food. Enjoy your drink. And enjoy the game. This is it. Football, is, it's, it sucks. It sucks. But it's over. One more game, and that's it. So suck it up, enjoy it, um, as, as I will myself. So for Dr. Train, for K-Star, for JB, and for our special guest, Eric Clemens, thank you. Enjoy the Super Bowl, because for one more time, all feuds will be settled on the field. Good night, everybody.